What's really funny is it, it would be a miracle to me if any voice actress out there that works on anime is married at all. <laughs> and the only reason I say that listeners is because like they, they must be, they must, they must do some of those animes and go, God, men are just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants a harem. Every, every, every guy who gets Isakad to another world ends up with like six girlfriends. They're all, they're all a bunch of fucking perverts. Speaking of which I watched the, uh, the Konosuba movie. Yeah. That was fucking great. Yeah. Right. It's freaking hysterical. Yeah. I hope we get another season soon. Do not attempt to adjust. Do not attempt to adjust. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. There is nothing wrong with your streaming device. We are controlling the transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We control the hysterical. <laughs> we control the rational. Mm. Yes, quite. I agree. Quite. Sit patiently, and we will control all that you hear. <laughs> we repeat, there is nothing wrong with your streaming device. You are about to participate in a great awakening. You are about to experience the truth and wonder reaching from the inner mind of... The Geek Out Heroes. Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. This is Josiah. And uh, this week, let's uh, let's go ahead and get one out of the way, just because it's funny to make fun of. And, you know, dumpster dumpster fires are a good time for everybody. Right. So let's talk about Dustborn. The spirit, what people are calling the spiritual successor to Saints Row 2022. And the reason for that. Yeah. The reason (laughs) they're saying that is because they're saying it's going to be just as much of a failure as as saints row because it's so bad okay and it's and it's focusing on a crowd it's it's literally focusing on a crowd that does not exist like that's the thing is when when developers focus in on like oh we're gonna make a game for the contemporary audience the contemporary audience listeners doesn't exist like that contemporary audience is still you and me it's still the way that we think and it's still the way the rest of the world primarily thinks which is we don't want to have politics in our games. We don't want to be inundated with anything like that. We don't want to talk about social issues. We want our games the same way we want our movies and our books. We want an escape. And if you don't want the escape, you're looking at a documentary. You're looking at a biography. You're looking at something that is based on fact, not something that is based on what you imagine the world in your mind <laughs> to be. If you haven't heard of this, listeners, I highly suggest you go look up the uh, the trailer for Dustborn. It is a I I, I actually kind of hate using the whole Trump derangement syndrome thing with anything. But goddamn, that guy became president in 2016 and broke people's minds <laughs> like just full on for four years because this developer saw that. And literally said, we're going to make a game based off of how we perceive the world ending up because of this guy becoming president in 2016. It's a game about the world's becoming a dystopia and 
that's filled with misinformation, using words as weapons, and where, <laughs> where like, <laughs> it's just, it's so, like, I'm sorry, it's so dumb sounding. Like, the, the, the part of it, like, part of that looks like, okay, that could be a creative idea, but at the same time, God, that's kind of dumb. So the game, the game, the game is literally, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating listeners. I'm telling you flat out. The game is centered around fascism, diversity, and the weaponization of language. That's, that is a direct description. So, uh, it's inspired by, they've said it's inspired by the political events deeply or that deeply affected. They said everyone. I don't think it, I don't think the events of 2016 deeply affected everyone, but it's, it's pretty funny. They said, you know, from the summer of 2016 and according to the developers continuing on today, uh, the developers say that being a developer, you feel like what, what the hell are we doing? We're writing and, t- and talking and making games. Yeah. You're doing your job. You're, you're creating escapist media for your customers because that's what they want. And instead they saw that and went, we feel kind of helpless. It, <laughs> it made us go, what the hell are we doing here? Um, <laughs> so they wanted to create a positive impact by also, or by also being, but, but by also not being preachy. And uh, you, you failed you on failed that last one tremendously. <laughs> My question is, is it's, it's so evident in that trailer. It's sad, but my question is, is, uh, so when do you unlock the killing word? <laughs> I want to have the killing curse in, the, in this game. Yeah, it's, it's so ridiculous. Like there's literally a moment in the trailer where she's talking to these two police officers and she basically tells the girl, the guy, she, or tells the girl, he's not respecting you. And then they pulled guns on each other. guns on each other. And we were like, whoa. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, it's it's so fucking terrible sounding. Like everyone and their statements aren't getting any better. One of the one of the descriptions from one of the uh, their job placements was they were looking for a person who had diverse knowledge of pop culture, current col- or pop culture, current culture, po- politics, and uh, the uh, be able to or the ability to have lived through the lens of of someone from a diverse culture aka no white folk that's literally what that post means (laughs) when when you're putting out a post like that and everybody knew it everybody knew it instantly called about on it like dude you might as you might as well just said we don't want any white writers because that's exactly what they were looking for yeah like anytime anytime somebody says we want diversity that means you don't want anything white and that's that's how people see that today it's unfortunate because diversity to me in the past has always meant just a mixture of people from different cultures and different backgrounds that includes white people black people asian it doesn't matter that was my understanding was it was always everybody and that's and that's and that's exactly how it should be but when you go to but typically when you go to uh, a lot of these companies they have like a, a dei uh, officer and they're more into making sure that your esg scores are up and that when you're hiring people, you're using the practices of equity, not equality, hence DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. They're not really into actual equality. They will look at your company and say, oh, you have too many of this race. You need to have this race instead. 
And a lot of the times they'll hire somebody that's that's completely unqualified, like complete somebody who who doesn't have the experience to actually work in their field. But hey, at least that ESG scores up. And listeners, this isn't something new. This has been around since the 80s in reality. The ESG score stuff is new, but the practice has been around forever. This just reminds <laughs> me of that South Park episode. And you'll know the death camp of tolerance. Yeah. And that's exactly it. You're, you're not wrong. That's exactly it. It's hysterical because uh, Trey Parker made this, made the same like he never thought that would actually come true. And that's what's happening. I mean, you have countries like Canada who are literally forcing people like Jordan Peterson to go through social media sensitivity training to be reeducated. That's very CCP of them. And many of these businesses don't want that stuff to happen to them. So they're just like, all right, well, how do we prevent that? We're going to hire the right kind of people. Well, what does that mean to them? Well, that means excluding an entire section of people because they're not diverse enough, which is absolutely insane to me. A person who is, who is you know, a person from Poland, a person from Germany, a, a, you know, it, whether it be white, black, doesn't matter, is more, it has a different diversity than me on just their background, their culture, what they understand about the world, than any kind of perceived knowledge I have. Because I haven't lived that. Yes. And just so you know, listeners, Josiah is nodding his head. He's nodding along. <laughs> I'm not just alone. Uh, but that, that's, that's the way it is in, in the world. doesn't matter what your, what your skin color is or anything like that. You have a different perspective than me. That makes you, mar- that makes you a different diverse person from my experience. My experience is far different than anyone else in our groups. Anderson's would be different from mine. Anderson's would be different from anyone else in our groups. Josiah's background is completely different from mine. He has a very different upbringing than me, which is why we have weird, weird cultural, like pop cultural, like uh, blockades because of uh, because of his upbringing versus my upbringing. And but but that's the thing is like that's what creates that what that's what kind of creates us into the people we are. That's what creates diversity. Doesn't matter what what any of your other traits are. And that's what these people can't figure out is that whether or not you are a black person, an Asian person, a white person, Latino, it doesn't matter. That person has something else to bring to the table. They have a different perspective, a different, a different viewpoint of the world from their lived experience. Now, all that is, all that still has, you know, obviously your, your viewpoint still has to be based in fact, that's just the way the world, the, the real world works. And we all know that. But that's not what the that's not what companies like this are looking for. Companies like this are looking for we don't want this group of people because they don't have the perspective exactly that we're looking for. So why is it that you don't why don't you just go out and be like, we want somebody who's grew who grew up in the hood. We want somebody who grew up in poverty. We want somebody who has that perspective specifically for our storytelling. If that's what you're looking for, that's what you're looking for. Don't try to put out this blanketed bullshit statement of we're looking for somebody diverse and using all these fucking keywords that are used for for your diversity training so that you don't sound like a fucking racist because what you're looking for, we want a A, B, C, D person. And that's the thing we're that's that's the list we're going by. And this may just be me personally, but I will respect it a hell of a lot more if you're just honest about what you want. Correct. Yeah, if that's so, what you're looking for, that's what you're looking for. Don't dick people around by having a bunch of people apply for a job that they will never qualify for because they're not the voice you're looking for. I would rather you tell me, hey, we're looking for somebody who has a Spike Lee perspective. than somebody tell me, uh, yeah, we're looking for somebody who has a different walk of life. And so, like, that's everybody, you dipshit. 
Don't be so fucking vague. Don't tap dance around it. Just fucking put it out there. But the only reason why companies do that is because they, they literally are afraid of being sued. They're afraid of being sued by anyone. And people are going to come around and be like, well, they're discriminating against it. Well, of course they are. They're looking for a specific group of people or a specific, specific kind of person that has this kind of background. Everyone else gets kicked out the door. You know, I've never heard of the fact of like how like if you're if you had a actor and you're looking for somebody who had a specific look or anything like that and you discriminate against everyone else, of course you did, because that's the that's the look you were looking for. If someone has the look and other people don't, those people get kicked out the door. Is that just discriminatory or are you looking for something specific? If that's what you want out of a writer, then that's what you want out of a writer as well. But this is why shit's so broken, listeners. Everyone's so worried about offending someone else that they don't just say, this is what we need. You know, is that done out of equality? No, not really. But now instead of things being all equal, it's now done for, we need to make sure that we follow this checklist because if we don't hire somebody that goes along with this checklist, not because it's something that we need, it's because we, it's something that we have to have in order for us to be able to virtue signal, in order for us to be able to get an ESG score that's high enough. It's not because the person was actually qualified. It's not because the person you were looking for actually met the criteria specifically for what you were trying to do. It's because, oh, well, they met the checklist as dictated by society. But maybe I'm being too harsh on the company and maybe they were actually, this is the person we're kind of looking for. You know, everyone else need not apply, but this is the, the kindest way we can say it. And this is the kind of person that we actually want in order to tell the stories that we need. Okay. Okay, but I'd rather you still be just open and honest about it. Hey, we need somebody that meets this criteria specifically, and it's not for DEI. It's because this is the kind of story that we want to be able to tell, and we want to make sure that the person who's writing it is from that kind of background. All right, I could, I could go along with that, but that's not what you did. So I'm more inclined to go along with, oh, you're trying to match up to the checklist, not your checklist based off of what you want from a person with their kind of experience. But the DEI checklist, that's the one you're trying to match up with. So this is the same kind of company that put out something like that. So I was like, all right. And then I saw their game and I went, oh, yeah, you, you guys literally just went, OK, 2016 hint, hit and fascism's alive. It's the worst thing in the world, uh, you know, in America today. And that's what's going to happen. And when it didn't take place, you went, oh, we have to make our game. We have to call our game fiction now. Because. That's that's the reality of it. It is absolutely, you know, completely based in fiction. And you saying that you didn't want to be preachy is hysterical. I mean, you you even said the fact that this was inspired by the events of 2016. And given the amount of times I've heard people try to claim that words can be used as weapons, it's. A, yeah, that's you're totally right. Totally not preachy. I think the only reason why you're trying to claim that you weren't trying to be preachy at this point is because. You know, we're now under a different president and it turns out, you know, governments are all authoritarian. So weird. Personally, I can't wait until the death squad start rolling around. I'll be first in line for my ticket out of here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Shoot me. Shoot me. Yeah, I don't want to go to work on can Monday. Can I be Isakide somewhere else? Thanks, please. Yeah. It's, it's, it's getting old. We're, we're all getting tired of it. We don't want our games to be an activist statement. We want our games to be the escape from the world that we live in. Because the world kind of sucks. So uh, us having to deal with, you know, the fact that things keep getting more expensive, the inflation is out of fucking control and looking at, you know, look, looking at not just not naming just one side of the government listeners, but looking at the entirety of our government and going, God, you guys are fucking corrupt. God, you guys don't care about any of us. 
like it, it's pretty evident now i and i and listeners i'm saying this from both parties it is pretty evident now for both parties that neither one of them care so if we're all having to deal with that do you want to be reminded of shit like that in your video games do you want to be reminded of shit like that in your movies at all no no that's, i don't that's one reason why and i'm gonna try not to sit here and sing the praises of this game for four hours again like we did last podcast um spit my drink out. <laughs> this is one thing that i appreciate about Baldur's gate is there is no even allusion to anything real world in that game this game yeah. is set in the D setting and that's it yeah it's you know, you can you can of course sit there and say, oh, well, there are things within every within everything that we have that's affected by some of our culture. That's true, absolutely. But it's not the main antithesis. It's not focusing in on like zeroing in on one one event that's taking place in the real world as its main storyline. It can have themes. It can have things like that. It can have you relate to people who are going through certain shit that may exist in the real that may be relevant to the real world, and that's fine. But having it be like so zeroed in on this kind of stuff is just it's asinine and all we do is roll our eyes as a collective in gamer in in the gamer verse of going jesus christ guys come on like little too nail on the head how about we back it off a lot like and i'm not saying a little a lot there's one way that i will play this game and that's after the modding community gets a hold of it You know exactly where I'm going with yeah. this. So, uh, <laughs> like I said, uh, I'll, I'll play it when the uh, the killing words are unlocked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like the the question I have is, why would you use words as like, oh, words are weaponized? Other than the fact that people who say that sound like fucking idiots online. That's that's a that's a Twitter thing. Well, that is absolutely a Twitter thing. And that's words are violence at that point. That's why when you showed me the trailer, I immediately said, "Did they let Twitter?" make a video game did they write this yeah it's not it's it seems like it right because the only people that i know that are soft enough to think that words are weapons like this are the people that are on twitter 20 hours a day yeah the the thing that would have made i think the thing that that would have been far more creative with the words as weapons idea is if you had used them as actual physical objects like taking comic book script and instead of it being a bam, when somebody punches it, literally taking the word and smashing it into somebody's face. Yeah, that would actually be a cool concept. Turning your characters into superheroes, like in a comic book, and they're using the comic book words as weapons. Yeah, okay, pulls the word out of the uh, the speech bubble and beats yeah, somebody and with beat it. Beats somebody with it. That would be cool. That would be cool. That'd be fun. That'd be far more inventive than she's not res- he's not respecting you and dude listeners when we saw that if i swear watch the trailer you will die laughing when that happens it is ludicrous so aside from the you know aside from the obvious other you know other things that happen in the trailer that make you just roll your fucking eyes this developer never even considered asking a community hey what do you guys think about this or even talking to someone who wasn't a focus group deliberately designed to give you answers that you want I, this listeners I, I worked in advertising worked in marketing for 15 years i can tell you that there are times where a company will literally put together a focus group that will absolutely 100 agree with everything that you do because that's what they were put assembled for they were assembled to make you sound like you know what you're talking about whereas a real focus group where you grab people off the street and start talking to regular folks 
would have heard this idea and went, that sounds dumb. And that's what's happening now. That's why this trailer has been ratioed to hell and back now. Why gamers are sitting there going, and and here's the thing. A lot of people think, oh, when you're ratioing things, that's just, you know, that's like review bombing. Yes, because you're showing your disapproval at this point as gamers. I didn't agree with review bombing when it started, but at this point, I kind of understand it. It's literally the only way you can get a developer's attention half the time. I was saying, this is not it. This is not what we want. What you are doing is adversely affecting your community and you're not helping in any way. Stop. And that's what that's what the the ratioing happens on YouTube. When somebody sits there and says, we didn't like this at all. Like usually a content creator, if this happens to them, they get a good judge of like, oh, my community actually strongly disagrees with them. Whether or not that changes their opinion is another thing. I've seen I've seen videos from from Osmond Gold who like where he has a pretty even dislike and like ratio based off of an opinion that he shared. That's because the, the majority of his audience are mixed with different with different ideas. But here's the thing. Even if you disagree with him, he's allowed to have that opinion. It doesn't affect him at all. Why? Because people will still come back to him because a lot of his other a lot of his other takes are good takes on the industry. A lot of his other takes are good takes on just gaming in general. And he's very entertaining. He knows exactly what is what his audience wants. He's an entertaining man. He does a great job on his on, on his uh, his uh, Twitch streams and stuff like that. The same thing goes for like Astical or uh, Astacross. He does videos primarily with Destiny. That's where his bread and butter is. That's where he makes a lot of his streams. That's where a lot of his money's coming from. So he continues that content. Does it always mean that he's happy with the Destiny with with what's going on in Destiny? No. He shares that he shares that with his audience constantly. He talks about it, tells them what's going on, tells them how he feels about it, how he perceives it, but he still enjoys playing the game with his buddies because he's having a great time with them. So that's enough for him. But he also goes and he plays other games. He's played, he played Baldur's Gate. I watched him play through an entire section where he ended up having to kill the entire town because he, he couldn't steal from this fucking merchant. I about died laughing. <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, this is hysterical. This is exactly how the rest of the guys and I play. We're like, all right, I'm saving here. Everybody dies. <laughs> because we get so frustrated with something that's not going our way and we can't, we can't save scum it. We're just like, screw it. I'm doing this. I'm uh, just going to go all out. Yeah. I mean, how many times the last time we played was, did, uh, did we tell you to save? And then as soon as you saved, one of us would pop in with, all right, no witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was it. All right. Um, so yeah, the, these guys, these guys know where their money's coming from and they know what they know how to provide to their audience. They listen to their audience. This is an instance where a developer is not listening to anyone. They're not listening to an audience. And we've seen this before. And this is why this game is being called the spiritual successor to Saints Row is because Volition Games is closing down. They have closed their doors, or I I should say they've already closed down by now, by the time this podcast comes out. They've closed their doors after 30 years. This is a developer that has been around for a very long time. And they're closing their doors. Why? Because of Saints Row. They've had two, they've had two major failures in their past two games. Saints Row 2022 is the last straw, but the one before that was Agents of Mayhem. Agents of Mayhem did terribly because it was just a bad game. It wasn't a very good game, wasn't really well thought out. The wow, idea that behind one it seemed like it could have been cool too. Yeah. The idea was solid, but the problem is, is that they had a game. They, they basically had just an idea. That was it. They had no idea where to take the game. 
Agents of Mayhem was let's take let's take Saints Row, make it you know make some superhero kind of characters in it, and not give any kind of real plot or anything else to the game. It was it's just kind of this is it. You just rinse and repeat over and over again, and it's a shit is it's it's shit compared to what people were used to from Saints Row. People were used to from used to Saints Row being you know fucking ridiculous it was this insane fucking storyline that evolved into an even more insane storyline from a game that was literally just satire on gta which is hysterical given gta is a satire in the world so you had a satire and a satire it was absolutely insane people loved it people latched on it latched, latched onto it they had a specific they had a specific group of gamers that were absolutely on board for any of their any of their freaking ridiculous nonsense as they went through it to the point where they went to space alien invasions fucking getting trapped in video games going going to hell you know like, you name it. It, it like that that game is that that series is fucking in, insane to the point where even i was like all right if they make another saints row i might actually jump into this fast forward to 2022 actually let's 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 go back a little bit before that the first trailer for saints row what would become saints row 2022 was terrible the first trailer looked like it looked like it was created by one a completely different studio partly that's true because a lot of their senior staff i'm sure has you know been been changed out in and out just like any other studio okay but then you start hearing the comments from volition they go well we're trying to make this for contemporary audience that was the first red flag for everybody contemporary audience and instantly Instantly, the community went, oh, they've gone woke. Now, listeners, we can go through what the what the meaning of woke was meant to be versus what the meaning of woke is today. But that's neither here nor there. It's it's what people it's what people call woke. And they say, OK, they were more concerned with telling a story that involved agenda and identity politics instead of telling just a story, giving us a, a good time that we've always had. And the developers themselves basically told their entire community, oh, this isn't actually, uh, or we, we realized that you're, that the game was always focused on these kind of crazy things and it was always fun and all these antics and stuff, but that's not appropriate for today. So we're going to ignore that and we're no longer going to make that kind of game. And essentially told their, their entire, you know, clientele at that point, go pound sand. Okay. If you don't want, if you don't want your gamers as your gamers, then who is this made for? It's made for an audience that doesn't exist. Evidently, it was made for a group of game, or a group of of gamers that weren't going to buy your product primarily to begin with, and never wanted it. On top of that, you delivered a buggy mess, and the game is was just glitchy as hell when it came out. God damn, the amount of glitches that I watched people go through was just uh, it made Skyrim look like it was a polished title. <laughs> like that, that was a pristine and uh then when people started reviewing it and started and started essentially not really review bombing it because many of the complaints that people had had to do with things in the game things that weren't working in the game there were legitimate complaints your community i think it was your community leader or one of your developers i i forgive me for not knowing uh, exactly which which one said it but turn around and called anyone giving it a bad review a terrorist and I'm not paraphrasing. They called them a terrorist. Now, listeners, I've I've said some hyperbolic shit in my time. 
but goddamn, <laughs> you calling your customer base a terrorist for disapproving of your game, dude. You guys need a reality check so fucking hard, it's sad. And that's exactly what happened. They got a reality check of this ain't it. Fuck around and find out. Congratulations, you played the game, you lost. And all of your gamers are the ones that are kind of that are that are like I should say your original fans are the ones that are sad because they'll never see Volition come back from this because they're closed. Your game sold so terribly that people don't even want it on PlayStation fucking plus and it's free for the next month. I don't even plan on downloading it. Fuck you. I hate that. Like that game looked like trash to begin with. You know what I'd rather go do? I'd rather go do the games. You, I'd rather go play the games that you already made which I wasn't a fan of, then play that nonsense. Because after seeing how that story unfolds, man, you you couldn't pay me to play your game. Basically, a bunch of college kids who need to pay back their loans and decide to become a gang and turn to crime to pay back their loan. Like, (laughs) you've got to be fucking kidding me. That's that's the plot? How very Gen Z of you. It would... It would have made more sense if you guys had just made it about like a bunch of kids who had to take loans out from a loan shark to pay for their college education because they couldn't get a loan through the bank system or something like that. And they turned to crime in order to pay off their debt. That would have made more sense because at least then they'd be indebted to someone who's actually a genuine threat who could have actually been a threat and forced them into crime to try and get them to pay off their loans. But no, it's it's college student loans they're trying to pay off. So let's so let's just become a gang. I never thought I'd say this, but aliens and becoming president of the United States made more sense than a group of college graduates trying to pay off student loan debt. This is ridiculous. Oh man. Like I've heard I've heard people joke about shit like that. Yeah. But to make a game where it actually, that's just fucking dumb. You know, on top of that, you had like, like, and here's the thing, like Saints Row is known for dumb, for kind of dumb plot lines. Okay. Well, let's say the plot line isn't, isn't, is, is completely viable and going, the thing that you also didn't do, you didn't create characters compelling enough and enjoyable enough to even carry that story. Yeah. That's why we, you know, didn't throw a fit when the aliens invaded or, you know, the saints took over the white house. It made <laughs> so sense in the universe ridiculous to me. It's so stupid that we're just like, well, yeah. the last one had aliens in it. So this one actually makes sense. Like, I don't know. I've always, I've always said that, you know, I'm a lot more forgiving with these things. If you can make it make sense in the context of the universe. Yeah. If you can make it make sense, make sure the characters are likable enough. You can actually sell pretty much any story on somebody. Yeah. I, that's like I, I watched, said. That's, I mean, shit, listeners. I watched Dubro Party Massacre last night, <laughs> or Party Massacre Three last night. It was hysterical. Yeah, it sounded like a great it is, time. It is one of the dumbest movies I have ever seen, but I fucking loved it. It was hysterical. So, you like I said, if if you make something fun enough, you can sell them on anything. And in this case, it's just not fun. A lot of the mechanics don't work. They had a lot of a lot of issues with just basic things like having a populated city like people would walk through walk, walk through areas of this game and there would be nobody around no npcs nothing the entire time they're walking around i'm like what the fuck is this like is it like is it because the the engine is so shit that it's limited to, it's limited to what it can do 
is it is it a limitation of the hardware? It's not a limitation of the hardware listeners. It's Personally, the I think they just forgot to put NPCs in. That's possibly it. Yeah, that's probably the more more likely of, of the case. Uh, so you have then you have main characters who are they're about as likable as wet cardboard, and that's given a lot of credit because man. Watching some of the breakdowns, like what how the characters were and and how they were written, I was like, God damn, what the fuck is this? What did you guys did you you didn't listen to a goddamn thing anyone said to criticize your title, and you then acted like it was the fucking fault of your gamers for not liking it. Have you guys noticed a trend of when developers do this shit, they tend to fall flat on their fucking face and eventually fail so hard? That they just disappear. This is what happens. I mean, this might just be me, but if I'm making a product and I want to make sure it's at least semi-successful, I'm going to check in with the people I'm trying to sell it to. Yeah. And find out what they want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would only make sense. And the thing that's, that's even more completely mind boggling to me is the fact that I guarantee like it, it is, is the fact that people sit there and they're, they're saying they feel bad for him. There are people who are like, I feel bad for, for him. I mean, I can't believe they're out of they're They're out of work though. We'll never see. You didn't have volition anymore to begin with. That's that studio clearly was gone when they made this and they deserved it. Volition. You deserved this. Now I think anybody who sits there and says, you know, follows who, who, where your developers end up. And doesn't buy any games from that company they end up at. That's a, that's a, that's going a little bit too far. I've seen a couple of posts like that, but I guarantee you, there's going to be some hesitation from anyone who sees somebody who's who's a head of of the Saints Row project from 2022 working on another game. If somebody sits there and says, "Oh, they worked on Saints Row 2022," instantaneously everybody's going to go red flag. Nope, probably not going to buy this game. And it's because that person, that person has forever tainted anything they work on and it, they could make the greatest game on earth after this. And, and I will, would still question and it, it would still, it would still be questioned before it ever comes out because you'll be sitting there going, are they going to make the same mistake? Are they just going to ignore what their community wants? Are they going to sit there and listen to any, any criticism or are they going to turn around and do what, you know, not to drag anyone under the bus or anything, but going to do what Linus Tech Tips does, which is whenever somebody comes in and calls out, you know, shenanigans and says that, hey, you guys aren't doing this or doing this right or gives them any kind of criticism. Instantly, Linus is like, oh, how dare you? You should have talked to me first. Like the guy, the guy, like the guy's literally incapable of taking criticism. Like, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm glad LTT's kind of turn the ship around like that whole nonsense after game after gamers nexus called them out on their shit i was like i the the worst part about it is i knew exactly how the response was going to be yeah that was the worst part the fact that i knew that linus wouldn't take any any kind of criticism whatsoever and would turn it around and make it seem like somebody else's problem or you didn't get all the facts when they had all the facts you just don't want to hear the criticism because you don't you don't want to have the accountability of admitting that you're wrong and that's the same thing that happened with Volition. You didn't want any accountability. Yeah, nobody likes being reminded that they're an asshole. Yeah, nobody does. I don't like it, but it still happens. And I still admit to it and go, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
Nobody likes it, but sometimes you got to hear it. So that's, that's the exact same thing here. Volition, you guys got criticized to Helen back. You were told don't do this to begin with. And you basically just said, and yet, and I quote, you came back with a meme that said haters gonna hate. My guy, y'all need to listen up when a, when your core audience is telling you don't do this. This sounds like shit. Unless this wasn't just like the Twitter mob. Like we can understand not listening to the Twitter mob. We totally get that. I mean, we've, we've constantly brought up the fact like, oh, you shouldn't listen to Twitter. This wasn't over Twitter. This, this wasn't even just over Facebook. They were getting ratioed on every fucking post that they had on YouTube. When your entire, like when your entire audience is, that's the only way they communicate, they can communicate with you is with a thumbs down. You need to start listening. These companies need to start listening to that. This isn't just, they're a bunch of haters. There's not going to be more haters than people who like your product. Especially if it's popular enough. So if you're getting a large amount of un, you know, people who, who don't like what you're doing, just posting a thumbs down, you might want to take a, take a step back and go, maybe we're not listening to our core audience. If, if it's this big of a difference, that's unusual because it is unusual. For some reason, there's this grand misunderstanding amongst companies that for some reason, YouTube is not a good place to go to, to understand if you're doing the right things or not. No, that's in comments. Look to, look to that thumbs up, thumbs down. There's a reason why YouTube is like, oh, we're, we're going to disable the dislike ratio because originally it was an experiment. I guarantee you to find out, okay, if they don't see how many dislikes there are, are people just disliking it because they're following the, the group crowd or are they disliking it because they actually dislike it? We've seen posts where they disable the dislike button, disable anything right away because they know the backlash they'll get immediately. If you know the backlash you're going to get immediately, God damn, maybe start listening to your fucking audience. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like I've seen companies disable the comment section. Yeah, sometimes the comment section can get really brutal and that's not right. Okay, sometimes people issue threats. Obviously not right. But disabling dislikes, disabling likes, because you don't want to hear that people don't like your product. God, man, you guys are a bunch of fucking wet rags. Are you that afraid of criticism? What does that tell you about your product coming out? Does it tell you it's going to sell well because you're ignoring the dislikes? How well has this worked out for Disney lately? Just ignoring what everybody says. They've been making loss after loss after loss after loss, and yet lying to all their shareholders. Why? Well, because that's easier than living in the truth. Hey, Jesus Christ, it must be nice to live in Never Never Land. I'll come and visit you sometime when I need a break from reality. God, people used to use that stuff as metrics to understand their audience. Now in marketing, apparently it's not, it's not good input. Fuck me. I mean, I could understand ignoring Twitter for the most part because, you know, activists will read the loudest. But at this point, you're just ignoring dislikes and likes, which is just straight data. That's it. I mean, shouldn't it be a big clue when you're seeing all these companies getting massive amount of backlash from their main audience when they just say, 
made for a modern audience, made for a contemporary audience. When those things are considered as red flags to gamers, that instantly made me go, I don't think I'm going to buy Silent Hill 2 Remake. I love Silent Hill. Love it. It's one of my favorite franchises of all times. That includes some of the shittier versions. And Silent Hill 2 is my all-time favorite in that whole franchise. So when I heard that they were, that they were going to meet remake it, God damn, did I go, holy shit, finally. Finally, Konami, you've pulled your head from your ass and you've decided to come back to the Silent Hill universe and give me something that I want and that I'm interested in. It's about fucking time. You ruined PT for me, you fucks. But at least I'm getting this, right? And Blooper is a good developer. They make great games. I've enjoyed the games that they've made. But that changed real fucking quick. The, about a week later when I heard we're making this for a contemporary audience and red flag. I think that was the happiest and the saddest I've ever seen you. God damn, like, dude. In, in that span of a week, you went from like super happy. And then as soon as that announcement came through, I was like, oh, he's going to be so mad. And then yeah. he started posting about it. In the group on, chat. Yeah, because on top of that, they had also announced another uh, assassin or, or another sorry assassin. Fucking, I got Ubisoft on the brain for some reason. <laughs> well, we're it, talking about it, shitty it, yeah, developers. It feels, so. it feels like it feels like I'm talking about Ubisoft. Sorry. Uh, it, on top of that, they had another Silent Hill game that was announced, and the trailer released, and I was like, "God, this sounds terrible." Like the tra- like the whole thing with Silent Hill is that it's always surrounded around uh, the nuance of a main character, a main protagonist, who has some kind of dark secret in their past. And that they have to get over some kind of trauma. It's always around trauma. And the trailer basically just lays out that the, the, there's not just one main character. There's dozens of them and they all have trauma and it's, there's no nuance to it. It's just, we're going to talk about it right away in the trailer. I was like, what? Like what? That was always one of the the things about the series is the longer you go on, the more you start to figure out what's going on. That's ruining half the surprise, just giving it out up front. Yeah. When, when you, when I heard, you know, when I heard or saw that, I was like, God, this looks like shit. Like I have, I have zero hope for what silent Hill two could be. And I hope listeners, the only, the only thing I can hope for is that I'm wrong. The only thing I can actually hope for is that I'm wrong because when I heard contemporary, you know, we're, we're changing the scares for contemporary audiences. I went, oh, so you're putting kid gloves on. Got it. You're going to be a bunch of fucking pussies and, and dance and dance around the, the hard subjects and the hard, you know, subject matter that's actually in the game, including rape, including, you know, uh, massive amounts of depression, uh, suicide, murder, like all these things that, that you, you're just going to dance around them. Are you like, I look forward to the trigger warning that I get before the game starts. <laughs> yeah. Can you just imagine trigger warning, jump scare? Oh, okay. And then it happens. Yeah. Like that's, that's all I can think of now. Like listeners, I get it. Like in some cases they're like, they're, they put warnings in front of game in front of games in order to make sure that the people who are, who may be affected by that stuff aren't thrown off by it. But I would argue that if you're going to play a horror game, you should expect to be scared. That's exactly what I'm getting at. If you're if you're going into something that is mature content, you should be kind of warned about it. You should know 
this is what it, this you're, you you should you're, you should, I shouldn't say warned in the game. I mean, you should be warned about it automatically in your brain. Like your mind should automatically go to, okay, this could cover things that I'm not comfortable with. This could actually interact with things I'm not comfortable with. Maybe I should read the uh, ESRB rating on the back and why it's called mature because they do label that stuff. They tell you it's got, you know, violence, sexual content, stuff like that. Like it will tell you. You can go online and look for it. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be necessary to put in front of a game before you start. You should already be forewarned about this stuff. It's the same thing as like it's the reason why like I don't want to see like I'll probably I'll probably eventually watch it. But I didn't want to see Sound of Freedom in theaters. Why? Because it's subject matter. It's about kids being trafficked. I don't do well with that. I want to go full scorched earth when I think about that shit. Like, I'm listeners, I'm in the mindset that you find these people, you don't put them in jail. You don't put them through any kind of processing. You just shoot them right then. You, you wipe them from the earth. They don't need to exist. Sorry, that's how I feel. So, when I think about that movie, I know it's just going to sit there and fester in me the entire time I'm watching it. That's why I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm going to, I'm just going to be sitting there getting pissed off at the fact that this stuff actually happens in the real world. So the same thing goes for somebody who gets triggered by stuff like that because they've either experienced it or they know that it happens. I understand that anger. I understand that frustration. But I don't think that you should have to be coddled before you just before like just before you watch it you you shouldn't have to be coddled for that you should already go in knowing you should you should know what you're getting into and that's the thing i'm worried about is because of the contemporary audience thing god dude again that when i when i hear when i heard that red flag that happens every time listeners and i'm not just i'm not just zeroing in on on uh silent hill that's everything across the board it's on the same level as when I hear games as a service. When I hear games as a service, my brain turns off. I don't care. That, that game is now dead to me. I just don't care about it anymore. So Saints Row was the same thing. Saints Row 2022. You know, the contemporary audiences. Red flag. Anytime that happens, that's the same thing for movies. When they say, oh, we're making it for fucking Marvel. <laughs> Face, face four, face five. We're making it for contemporary audiences to reflect the world of today. Red flag. I mean, I quit giving a shit about Marvel movies uh, quite a while ago, if we're yeah. being honest. But oh yeah, that was just the final nail in the coffin of unless they make another Spider-Man movie, I'm probably not going to care. Yeah, and that'll be made by Sony anyway, so it doesn't you know you have to hope that Sony you have to hope that Sony doesn't keep fuck doesn't doesn't fuck it up because that trailer for Craven is terrible. <laughs> Craven Hunter, yeah, listeners. If you are into that, I do me a favor. Go and look. Go and look. I know I'm asking you to just do the five minutes on Wikipedia, but just just go and look up his actual origin story. Watch that trailer again and go, wow! Like I guarantee you're going to go. This is n- this is not it. This is bad. That that's that's going to be a terrible movie. I think that's going to flop. That's going to flop as hard as Morpheus. And the downside. Oh, you mean Morbius? I said Morpheus. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh. You know, the sad yeah. thing is, is Mor- that movie could have been good too. Morbius. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It could, he have, was it could have actually been done. Well, always one of the, I won't say more interesting. He was always an interesting villain. Character, yeah. 
interesting villain, anti-hero, whatever you want to call him. He's more of a villain than, a, than an anti-hero. Depends but, uh, on the writer, yeah. and like with everything else. But I, they could have made that movie good. But the, like, these are things that they could have done, and they, they just kind of fuck off. And, you know, it's, it's, the lack, it's, it's the lack of respect for the content. It's the lack of respect for your viewers. Your viewers see it and go, this is shit. And it fails. And this is over and over again. This is films, streaming services, you name it. Games now. Like we, we see this over and over again and, and yet it's the customer's fault. So yeah, you should have listeners. You should have zero sympathy for any company that goes out of business because they did not fucking listen because they refused. If Disney falls and collapses, yeah, it'll be a shame just because of the memories that you have, but not because of what they did to do it. They've caused themselves their own problems. They are making themselves the enemy of all of their customers. Because they refuse to listen to any of them. And then they turn around and, and they lie to their shareholders like, oh, yeah, we're doing great. We're doing fine. Are you now? Well, I mean, speaking of Disney, it's, you know, they always make me think of, uh, you remember that bit in The Simpsons where uh, Principal Skinner is, you know, he, no, am I wrong? No, no, it's the children that it's are the wrong. the children that are wrong. <laughs> we... And I, as a Star Wars fan, yeah. I can honestly say the majority of Star Wars fans, at least old Star Wars fans, you yeah. know, that were around before Disney bought Star Wars. Yeah. The majority of us have been yelling, hey, you guys are doing this wrong. And then they're going, no, you're wrong for having different expectations of what we're making. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. You, you are, your expe- it's, it goes back to our conversation from the previous podcast of your expectations, your expectations were too high. Your expectations were too high. Okay. So should my expectations for everything be dog shit? And when it is dog shit, just be satisfied with that. Yeah. Like that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's why, that's why our expectations on anything that comes out like this from our favorite franchises, anything that comes out from AAA development, we have zero expectations of you guys to do well. We have zero expectations of it to be good. And that's not good. That means that when it isn't bad, when it is bad, we just don't care because we don't want to buy it in the first place. Yeah. Because like, all it does is live up to the expectation of it was shit to begin with. Yeah. I, we shouldn't, nobody should be going around life expect, I, and I get it. I get told constantly that I'm too cynical, but unfortunately I get proven right a lot. Yeah. You know, sorry that I have had my hopes and dreams shit on so many times that my expectations now are okay, I'm going to expect it to be crap. And then when it's not, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. It's like, why, why am I not watching Ahsoka? I love Ahsoka from, from the Clone Wars, even in Rebels. Literally the only reason that I want to watch that show is to see uh, Ray Stevenson. He's a great actor. I feel like he can pull off a great villain. Yeah. I mean, he passed away too. So yeah. So this is the last last thing that I'm going to see him in. But I just can't find myself giving a shit. I, I've, yeah. I mean, to the like when when you start seeing things like uh, the fact that they basically ripped off Treasure Planet, which is <laughs> which is hysterical. I mean, they they've Disney. You're so bad right now. You're literally plagiarizing yourselves, like your old content. I mean, goddamn guys, come up with an original idea. And I I feel like a lot of this blame falls, at least for Ahsoka, on Dave Filoni. Dave, absolutely. You were supposed to be the chosen one. 
Yeah, what is this? And you've turned your back on us. Like, yeah. have you have you spent too much time with Kathleen Kennedy? What's going on, bud? I mean, you, you know the lore. He he wrote <laughs> some of the best episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels, and he was responsible for the good parts of Bad Batch. Yeah, and some of the the good parts of Mandalorian. And then you come out with this. Like, what happened, dude? Yeah. You, you and John Favreau were the two reasons why I was excited that Star Wars projects oh, were happening. John Favreau gave up a while back. Well, that's where I'm going with yeah. this. Did you, did you just give up since he gave up? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, I think, I think, and I think that's probably more likely it. I think that they gave up because they were like, there's nothing that's going to change in this company. So we may as well uh, just lean into it. We, we can't get past, you know, KK for as much as we fucking want. And everything has to be, you know, every, everything has to be a self insert with that woman. Yeah. Cause so, I was, when they first announced Ahsoka, I was actually excited for it originally. Yeah. And then, you know, trailers was, kept coming that out. Was after, and I was like, but that was after Mandalorian season two, which everybody got hyped, hyped after you're like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And then book of Boba Fett <laughs> happened and fans and then, went, fans had a massive reality check of, Oh yeah, it's still Disney. And then Mandalorian season three happened and I went, Oh, okay. Now they're just twisting the knife. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, listeners, this, like, this is, this is the, the joke that Disney has turned, uh, Star Wars into for me is the fact that they're, you know, you, when you have memes, that's this, you know, like from Star Wars logic, uh, Jay, uh, Jesse sent this to me. He said, uh, you know, it shows, it shows, uh, Yoda, you know, on his deathbed and says, Luke, uh, when go, when gone, I am. Uh, the last of the Jedi you will be, or will will uh will you be? I got to get the quote right. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll never hear the end of that. Uh, and then right underneath that, it shows Cal Kestis, Ahsoka, Grogu, Ezra Bridger. Like it's just it, it's like it's except for that guy, that guy, and that guy, and her. No matter what she says, she's still a Jedi. Uh, and I just, I just, I imagined. I imagined the rest of this conversation going, except that guy, that guy, and that guy, and, uh, and, and her, uh, you know, she, she can call her, she, she can say she's not one, she's not a Jedi all she wants, but that doesn't change the fact that she still is. I said, oh, oh, and there's also two, there's also two more Sith. <laughs> Just imagine Luke go, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you could kill the Emperor in, in Invader, but those fuckers, you know, those fuckers are like cockroaches. Eventually, two more will show up. It, like, it's like dating a girl from Southern California. The, for, the force is wildly imbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's the thing is like Disney. Disney has made like Disney is not the force isn't female. The force is just wildly imbalanced. And that's what it is under Disney of. At least in most of the lore when another sith lord showed up it wasn't because they were originally a sith they were usually originally a jedi that had after after the the purge had happened had you know skirted themselves away into the galaxy much like yoda did much like uh kenobi did but the difference was is they eventually fell to the dark side they allowed their hatred and anger of what took place to to take hold of them and that is what made them into a sith well and that goes into a, another deeper discussion of does the force have its own will because one Sith would die and then eventually the another force would, would bring another, yeah, another uh, would rise another dark sider up. Yeah. 
And then, you know, and a lot of times it, when this happened in the books, it would happen to these, you know, Jedi that you would always look at and go, man, that guy is like the textbook definition of a Jedi. What happened? Yep. And it was always cool. And then, at least in my mind, I, no, I you're, you're right. That's that's and that's essentially how how it feels when you come across uh, the dark Jedi that's with the sisters in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. The, the writer for Jedi Fallen Order or writers knew what they were doing. I will say that even even though it's it's another Jedi lives, it's at least within the, the idea and the in the thought process of it's another Jedi lives that nobody knows is alive. Nobody knows is around. Yoda doesn't know he exists or anything like that. They didn't have something stupid where he met, you know, Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi where, oh, they know there's another Jedi. It's the fact of they think all of them got purged. That was the whole point. They thought they all died. Even Cal Kestis is aware that there are force users that are not Jedi in the world. He's aware of that. Even, you know, every Jedi would be from from childhood. Of there are some force users that aren't Jedi. One, either they weren't good enough to be ever be Jedi, or two, they were too old to ever become Jedi at the time. Or in a lot of cases, they just lived in a section of the galaxy that was outside of the Republic's reach. True. Yeah, they're they're from they're just from a force willing society. Right. Like uh, in the books, the uh, the Hapens had a lot of uh, force sensitive people, but they lived on the far far edge of the galaxy. So you have. You know, you, you have people who actually, you, it felt like when I was playing through that game, I didn't feel so much in Jedi Survivor. Jedi Survivor did not feel like I was actually seeing something that was made by somebody who actually knew the lore. It felt like I was seeing something made by a Disney writer. And that's the problem I have with Jedi Survivor is it's bad storytelling. It's lore breaking and it's not, it's not nearly on the same bar that Jedi Fallen Order was even, even, even just in story wise. And because of those things, you can say, okay, these are, these are the areas where I can give some leniency and some forgiveness to. And in Jedi Fallen Order, he comes across a dark Jedi who was a, who used to be a Jedi master and was literally somebody who was going to be, you know, always a, a force for the, for the, for the light. Uh, and instead he allowed his own hatred and his own, own anger consume him while he was on a planet that is primarily made up of dark force users who use mysticism and stuff like that around it. And this, that's why it's funny to me when the, when the, you know, critical drinker brought up like, you know, since, since when has magic been in star Wars always dude yeah. it has always been in star Wars there. The Jedi were ma- the Jedi use magic. The force is magic. The metachlorians thing is bullshit. There's, <laughs> Even Lucas had to admit to that. There's a that reason that was a bad idea. Why in even the movies, Obi-Wan is referred to as a wizard in yeah. several scenes. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's always been in there and somebody who wrote that knew that and went, okay, this is what would happen to a Jedi in that kind of situation. And, and they, and they took it from there. And that's how I was, of how I was always, always felt about any Sith Lord that's ever come up the same way of like, the reason they come up is because it's somebody who has allowed themselves, whether they're, whether they were, they were a Jedi or not, they've allowed themselves to become seduced by the power of the dark side. The force is not like the, the, I've always seen the force in the, in Star Wars universe as something that didn't really have a will of its own. It was a force of, of the dark and the light. Neither are good or bad. Neither are good or evil. 
However, one is the easier path and the easier path usually leads you to making the wrong decisions and usually may, leads you to the path of being, becoming the villain. And that's why I always love the idea. That's why I, why I always love the idea of the gray Jedi of the person that sees the balance and says, you can use both, but neither, but neither should be, should be the dominant one. They, sh- they, they coexist with one another. That's why the that's why in the Clone Wars, I love the episode where they meet the physical embodiment of the Force. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like. That's the, the Great Jedi, by the way. That's that's where the Great Jedi comes from, by the way. Disney is is that is that idea that's presented literally in an episode that you guys have in your fucking lore. A lot of people didn't Assholes. like the Mortis episodes, but I actually really enjoyed them based enjoyed on. Them. On the fact that it showed that light and the dark were still one, like, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So, really, it's kind of a pointless, like, yeah, it's, for me, it always you just could, came you down could have, to how you use it. Yeah, you could have used it and said it was a fucking fever, you know, Anakin Skywalker fever dream if you wanted to. <laughs> but the point was, in that entire series, was that Anakin was meant to become the person that bridged the gap between the two. He was supposed to become the person who could wield both, but neither were dominant. He was supposed to become the, the reincarnation of the gray Jedi. That was how powerful he was spent. He was meant to be. He was meant to be the most powerful Jedi that ever existed. And he was meant to sit there and say, neither one of them should ever, should ever be the more dominant. That's, well, that's why there's, that's why there's that whole mystery around, which I do believe they've explained in the, in the expanded universe before the uh, reset of, what was causing the Jedi to lose their, their, their uh, essential connection to the light or to the light side of the force. Uh, and it was because one, one side, whether they saw it or not, was becoming more powerful than the other and was becoming the more dominant force in the galaxy. Because of that, they couldn't, they, they started losing their connection to it. They started, they, they depended so much on the force that they forgot what made, what made their connection special in the begin with. On top of that, they were also a bunch, bunch of fucking hypocrites. So that probably didn't help with, with like the ability for them to continue to connect with, with that power that they had always, that they'd always had that feeling for, you know, the force didn't go away. It wasn't like the light side of the force died or anything like that. They were just being clouded from it. And whether that was their own hubris, their own, you know, their own failings or anything like that, it was still happening. And that, that to me tells you, like, tells you that, yeah, there was the, even back then there was a, a severe imbalance and something was, ha- and something was happening in the background to try and reset that. So after, after everything that went down and, and stuff like that, you had, you know, while it was happening, Anakin Skywalker is coming through and, you know, he's supposed to be the new hope. The Jedi saw, saw it as, and even Obi-Wan saw it as, you were supposed to bring balance to the Force. And I think, the, I think most of them who heard that prophecy, they believed that that meant only the light side would survive. Which is funny because if you look at it, he did balance. He did the balance force, the force, just not in the way anybody he, expected. He made sure he tore down the entire Jedi till there was, at the time, presumably only two left, and there was only two Sith. That's a balance to me. Yeah, that's that's very balanced. <laughs> <laughs> so technically, that's correct. 
So, and the funny thing is, is going back to your original point was with the with the prophecy. So he was prophesied for both sides. Yeah, he he was supposed to be the the pure Sith and the best Jedi. Yeah. So both sides knew, hey, this is the chosen one, and they were just fighting over him. And I think that's what happened. Yes. Yeah, he yeah, kind of got was, caught in the middle, and there was no, there was no way of, there was no way of guiding him to where he needed to be because both sides would have been fighting over him as like a, you know, like a faction war. Yeah. Um, but this does bring me back to the point that I've always made of Jedi are a crutch for bad writers. One hundred percent. So more Jedi keep popping up. Yeah, that's yeah, lazy writing. More, more Jedi, more Sith. It's the it's it's exactly that. It is a crutch. And it is a absolute bad writing. Like that's that's bad writing. If this is the only way you can move your plot forward in Star Wars, you don't know Star Wars. Yeah. And this is the only reason why I'm even considering getting the uh, the new game that Ubisoft is making. Is granted we've only had one trailer, but I didn't see a single force user in that trailer. I bet you anything it happens. And I know it's gonna. Yeah. I bet you anything it's going to happen because everybody thinks that you can't make a good star Wars game without Jedi or yeah. lightsabers or the force. Yeah. You have, you have far, you had you, even from the, I should say listeners from, even from the newer fans, the, the Disney fans, as, as I'd call them, you had way too many comments on, Oh, if it's not a force user or force wielder. I don't care. I don't want to use it. Or, I don't want to play as her. Um, which wasn't our issue at all. Our issue was, was mostly technical <laughs> from, from watching the, from watching the trailer, you know, mouth movement, stuff like that. It felt like there was a lot of Ubisoft half assness going on. In yeah. That, a in lot that, of terrible animations. I am but, kind of curious. Story wise, story wise, I have almost, I have almost zero issue like issues with what they showed for story wise, because the only thing that keeps popping in my head is the, the, the feeling of doubt that they'll be able to pull it off without going to a force user, without having to involve something or someone from the main franchises, because that seems to be the crutch that always pops up for all of star Wars. And this is true even for start for star Trek, especially modern star Trek, Jesus Christ. Um, having to use characters, having to use specific plot lines that have been reused over and over and over again to sell the same fucking idea. I mean, I loved Voyager. I even loved, I even loved the finale. There are plenty of people. And I think this is a legitimate gripe. There are plenty of people who don't. And the reason is because the Borg became a crutch for, for Voyager. 100% not going to disagree with you. I think that anyone who thinks that is absolutely valid in their opinion, the same way that it's the same way that anyone's valid in star Wars. When they sit there and they say, uh, I want what, what I loved and what I had back. And I don't want to lose that. And then you have the other side of like, well, I like what they've created. I like what they've, what they've got. Both sides are absolutely valid. Both, both of them, both of them can absolutely be fans in the terms of like marketing or whether or not something makes you money. It's really comes down to which side is the most, which side is not, it's not necessarily which side is most vocal, which side is the, the more populous, which is the one that built you up that is no longer giving you money. And that's the issue that Disney has now. And they're, they're starting to learn very quickly of we fucked up a lot and we lost a lot of fans because of this. 
you lost a built-in fan base because of it. And the same thing's happening in Star Trek. So when you look at it and you go, okay, I, I'm worried about the, I'm worried the fact that Disney has done all of this, right? They, they've done all these different things. They've, they've used the Jedi and the Sith as a crutch for storytelling. They've used old characters over and over again, like a crutch for store for bad storytelling. You start using that and going, okay, are they going to do the same, do the same thing in games? Are suddenly the games going to have, you know, is the next Jedi Jedi survivor, whatever it's going to be called the third game in the franchise they used, in my opinion, they used Vader and, and survivor as a fucking crutch. There was no absolutely zero reason for Vader to be in that, in that movie or in that game. There was absolutely zero reason for, for, for that fight to even take place because it was completely horseshit. It was a losing fight in the, in the, in, to begin with when you started. And on top of that, they made him too weak. Listeners, I'm sorry, but you guys have no clue how powerful that guy actually was. I will give the Obi-Wan series credit for one thing. They actually did a, a good representation of how powerful Vader was. In I've one seen the scenes. Scene. Yeah, I've seen the scenes, but it, it was it was pretty close. I, I get it. I, it wasn't perfect, but it, it was. Yeah. Oh, the, shit. Vader's here. He's going to destroy everything. The thing, the thing that happens in in Survivor is that fight lasts way too long. That's that's the issue I have. You gave the person you're playing as way too much credit. Yeah, there is. There is no way that fight like I don't care what kind of Jedi master they were. There is no way that fight would last even close to how long that fight lasts. Yeah, there's only a couple of people that would have been able to go toe to toe with Vader, and uh, they're all dead. Even, even even when he was a Jedi in his prime, there was only a few. This is admitted to even in the original series of the fact that that he was the he was the best starfighter. Yeah, he was and, the best pilot and, and one of the and best one swordsmen. Of the best swordsman. The only person that literally held that literally could beat him in swordplay at the time that you knew of until Mace Windu was created was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, there were two because there was uh, the Academy's uh, lightsaber instructor. Yeah, you're right. So, but I mean, the guy, and the reason who, why I bring up Mace Windu is because he used light pad. You've never heard of this light pad. No. How have you not know this? Okay. Light pad is the ability for a, a Jedi to call upon the dark side of the force and use their emotions in fighting. Oh, um, it's, uh, it's a fighting style that Mace Windu was the first to create. Right. Okay. No, and, I know what you're talking. I've yeah. never heard it called that, but it's I know light pad. Yeah. It's weird. First, um, first time I ever heard it. I went, what? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. He was one of, I think the only Jedi that can tap into yeah, the dark side and based, still stay yeah, on the light and it's side based off of an old teaching that he had read of, of when Jedi, when there were dark Jedi that used to fight with the light Jedi. Yeah. Not, not against each other, but with, yeah, no, I got Be, you. before the creation of the Sith. In other words. Yeah. It's, it's a really awesome. It's a really awesome thing to hear about. It's one of the things that people have contemplated on the fact of like, if, if Anakin had never fallen to, the dark side fully and learned that and from learned that from him it probably would have led him down the path of becoming the gray jedi and becoming the jedi that he was meant to become yeah uh instead of telling him hey don't have any emotions it's like hey man here's this way that you yeah, can harness them you and can harness them. them that's why that's why i was saying that that mace windu is the only other person that people uh or that uh most people contemplate would actually be able to hold a candle to him uh, in, but a, instead, in a full fight because he, he can call upon that massive asshole about everything. Yep. 
Um, now, and I don't necessarily think that, you know, Jedi or Sith are a crutch completely. Uh, if you want to do Jedi and Sith in a game, set your game in the Old Republic again. No, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. And, and that's the thing is, uh, I should, I should really clarify it. Like, it's not always a crutch. It's just the fact that, like, it's seen as a crutch nearly every time because it feels like the story, like, every time it happens, the story's getting stale or stagnant or yeah. slowing down. And suddenly it's, oh, and then a Jedi shows up. And oh, that's, and then a Sith shows up. And that's like, when you what? lose me because you have plenty of, uh, if you go into the old Lord, you have plenty of options for, you know, non force user, you yeah. know, dark side, light side, whatever. But like I said, if you want to have everybody in the game, be a force user of some sort, set it in the old Republic again. Yeah. I fans have been dying for more old Republic content. You know, we got Knights of the Old Republic. We got the Old Republic MMO. Fans, fans want to see the old stuff come back as actual lore. And this has been brought up for the past several years. And Disney keeps ignoring it. And that's the problem. And that's what that's listeners, that's what's led us on this whole con this whole tangent about Star Wars is the fact of I'm trying to bring out the fact that it's another example of someone else taking looking at the suggestions looking at fan feedback and saying, you don't know what you're fucking talking about here. Take this and enjoy it. And instead fans go, I don't like this. This isn't what I wanted. I'm going to, I'm going to leave. And that's what happened with volition. That's what happens. That, ha that was, that's what happens with all these, these companies, and these studios, and they can't figure out why they're not making money. Meanwhile, the rest of us are sitting there going, it seems pretty obvious. Like, how are you guys this blind to this? <laughs> and this, this is going to come back to another conversation we're going to have right after this involving companies that just don't listen and just, just want to, they want to fuck around and find out. Yeah. It's like I said earlier, am I wrong? No, it's the fans it's that are the wrong. fans that are wrong. And that's exactly what it comes down to is that's how they see us as, Oh, you're always wrong. I'm always right. And listeners, I'm not saying that every fan is correct because some fans, you know, there, there are plenty of crazies out there. Jesus. Like, I mean, you ever been to a fucking convention? <laughs> uh, there's plenty of, of completely unreasonable people out there that want exactly every single pit of the fan uh, of the lore that they've heard or seen to be completely 100% represented. And that's not possible. And I, it is if you write your own fan fiction, <laughs> correct. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but a lot of fan fiction is crap. Yeah. Most because everybody that I've read tends to get too nitpicky over certain things or they'll, they're focus, they'll focus in laser focus on one, one little issue or one little thing. And, and that's the thing that they they'll write eight pages about, and then they'll gloss over the thing that they were trying to get to. Yeah. It, if I wanted that, I would go back and uh, reread Tolkien. I don't need three pages <laughs> describing how green the leaves are. <laughs> okay, I get it. You're in a forest. It's going to be green. I'm sorry. I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I've tried several times to I read love, the books. Yeah, I still love the books. I just, I but can't. I, but I, I get it. Yeah, I understand. It's, maybe it, sometimes you want sometimes you want a quick you know quick allegory, and you don't want the absolute full description. Yeah, I and, I don't need that for everything in the world. And yeah, I can complete. I can completely respect that. I think that. uh 
I think Disney completely forgot that what they had bought was what when they had promised to, to George Lucas and listeners, keep in mind, we gave crap to George Lucas when he had said the fact that he felt like he, he sold his his property off to white slavers. It's a bit hyperbolic, but at the same time, I totally understand what he's saying now. Uh, year after after years of, of, of reflection on what he meant and what he was trying to get to and putting it into context of he was referring to the fact that he had this creation that he had worked on for years and dedicated his life to building up and listened to somebody talk him into selling it off and this person lied to him consistently lied to him without being without full transparency without any kind of any kind of thought as to whether or not they should be doing the things that they're doing as they went forward and told him, yeah, we're totally going to treat with respect and all this stuff. And you know how it'll be a legacy that he'll, he'll be proud of. And now he looks at it and he goes, man, you guys completely fucked it up. Like he, he sat there, he said, you know, it, when he was talking about the fact of when Disney tried to get him involved and tried to get him into the Mandalorian and stuff like that, he had a great time being on set and talking with, with Favreau and talking with, uh, with Filoni. But he said the reason why he left was because he was just going to muck things up. And the reason why he didn't stay on was because he knew that it for, for that they had a vision that in particular, he said the studio had a vision, which means Kathleen Kennedy, not Filoni, not Favreau. They had their own ideas and they loved talking with him going back and forth. It was like watching. You know, it's, it's like it's like watching a roundtable of creatives talking back and forth and having different ideas and and collaborating. Right. That's the way it was for all three of them. But he said but he said that that part went away very quickly. And it came down to what the studio wants. And he he knew that he would just muck things up. He would just he would have ideas as to where things would go based off of everything that he knew with Star Wars, which was a lot not everything. George Lucas admits the fact that he doesn't remember everything from throughout the lore. That's why they had in Lucas, they, they literally had uh, the, uh, the guys who were basically the, the lore overseers, who were basically the ones who knew the entire, the entire cyclopedias, knew all of the lore for Star Wars, even the expanded universe, so that they could make sure things stuck, stayed on track and that they wouldn't screw up too much. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's plenty of times within the EU where lore is kind of gets a little wonky every now and then. I was going to say, that's why the, the EU, like the old one yeah. was mostly coherent. Yeah. It's, You'd get the occasional just off the wall, random thing that would yeah. happen in a book. It's not perfect, but it's, it's, it's relatively close compared to a lot of other, like I've, I've heard from people that read like a lot of the, the Star Trek EU books. Those are apparently all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars, at least Gene Roddenberry was not involved in every single thing that happened in Star Trek. I can tell you that for one thing, but Star Wars always felt like it had like a little, you know, I'm not going to say a little bit. It felt like it had a lot more coordination to everything. Yeah. Than a lot of the other expanded universes, like yeah, and you find you find out that's why some projects end up being canceled and stuff like that. Some some projects were going off the rails. Where Lucas was like, "This isn't this isn't going to work. Like yeah. we're 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 going too far." Um, and that's why some things get canceled. Uh, turns out the Clone Wars. The reason why that got canceled, thanks Disney. Uh, that's that's why that <laughs> listeners. That's why that was canceled. That's why that was picked up by Netflix over, or, originally and finished out uh, before they finally finished out the final season. After that. 
which uh, that was because Disney, they were in the middle of talks with Disney and Lucas and basically Disney made the uh, statement of you have to cancel everything right now. That's why all projects were stopped. I just want to point that out. That was a Disney problem. That was not a Lucas problem. That was not a Lucas call. I was completely wrong and I blamed Lucas for years for that. And I apologize, George, if I ever meet you, I'd say that to your face. I apologize. Yeah, I think everybody in the group owes him an apology for that one because I Absolutely. know I screamed about that one for years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, owe, I probably owe George Lucas a massive, an even bigger apology for the simple fact that I, for years, thought it was just his fault for a lot of things that took place. And I basically called him a whiny little bitch for whining about the fact that he sold off his property. And having reflection on it now and being able to look at his words and listen to him and go, I get it. I understand why he was upset. Yeah. I understand why fans are upset. I understand why there are fans that love what's currently, what's currently going on. But if you look at the numbers, the numbers are lining up to the majority of the, the majority of your fan base does not like it. They don't like what you're doing. Disney. This is not, this is not to George. This is to Disney. They don't like what you're doing. They don't like what you've been doing to their property. And yes, it's their property. It's the fans' property for the simple fact that it's something that we all loved. It's something that we we helped build. We helped George build this entire thing, not creatively. We helped him build it because of the amount of money that we drained into it. The amount of that is the reason why Star Wars was was the most expensive and most wealthy franchise in history when it was when it was originally bought by Disney. You need to reflect on that, Disney, for like two fucking seconds. The fact that you bought a franchise that had less content than all of Star Trek and it was worth more money than Star Trek has ever been worth. Think about that for five fucking seconds. And you destroyed it in a few years. That is unfucking real. Like, how? How did you have? You had something that was permission to print money. And instead you intentionally like, and, and when they originally did this, we all thought that like they weren't really canceling the EU, that they were just kind of putting aside and saying that some of these are, when they said legends, we thought that like some of them were going to be like, oh, some of these are exaggerations as to what actually happened, but we're still using the lore. Which would make sense because a lot of the, the characters you can kind of assume are going to be a, um, unreliable narrator. Yeah. Which I would have been perfectly fine with. Oh, Luke said it went down this way. I was there. This is what I saw. saw. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with unreliable narrators. In fact, that opens you up to completely new storytelling ideas. Yeah. So long as the base is still there, people can accept it. And that's what I thought they were going to do. And we, 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 we tried to justify it listeners. And I realized that it is, it is, (laughs) we were way off base and we were wrong. And I will. Gladly admit that any goddamn day you want. I think the problem was, is we got honey dicked on this real hard because Disney bought Star Wars and then put out Rogue it One. Was, yeah, it which was, was probably, I will say, the best piece of Disney Star Wars that ever. Easily. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Andor series ended it's up also, being. It's also the first, in my opinion, the first real full depiction of. The rebellion of the rebellion, which and, is why I liked it because yeah. you went from Lucas's depiction of the rebellion, which is we win because we're the good guys to, oh, which is a great, which is a great story. I love that. Right. I'm, I'm not arguing but, that, but seeing, but seeing the, 
the back end of it, of it, of the fact of the fact is, is that the rebellion, just like any other, just like any other military force who has ever tried to rise up, sacrificed a lot of pieces and sacrificed, sacrificed even a lot of morality and had to do a lot of underhanded dirty shit, which is why I loved that line of we're not all the good guys were saboteurs, spies, murderers, you know, yeah. The people that had to get their hands dirty to win the rebellion. That's why I liked that movie. Yeah. I was like, yeah, these are the guys who actually went and rebelled. Yeah. Instead of, you know, oh, we're the good guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was it was a great story, but then you find out that essentially that script was written before Disney took it. Yeah. <laughs> took it you find out like you find out a lot of stuff and you're like, man, like or not the script, but the, but the idea for it was written before Disney took it. And then you know, th- we were, we were really taken in by the fact of like, Oh, Disney has the money. They're going to try and make this into like, they're going to try and make shows that aren't based off the Jedi. They're going to try and make shows based off of, you know, uh, smugglers. They're going to try and bring, you know, bring out stories about the Mandalorians. They're going to do all this stuff. And we we're like, man, this all sounds like great stuff. Like we're really excited for this. And it slowly, it slowly started to degrade. I mean, it was after it was, you know, we had, we had the force, we had the force awakens, the force awakens was one of those things of like, it's a return to form. Yay. Sweet. Let's, let's do this. Let's hope for the best. Even though, yes, I can absolutely agree with anyone who says it's basically just the, a new hope retold 100%. You're not wrong. I love a new hope. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not empire, but I love a new hope. Yeah. It's, I wasn't mad. I, I was just making the point. Yeah. Hey, this is basically a new hope over again with better CGI. Yeah. Which is fine. Cause like you said, I love that movie. Yeah. You had tons of potential in the characters of Ray. You had tons of potential in the care and especially with a uh, John Boyega's character, Finn? Um, Finn, God, dude, so much potential with squandered. that one character and it completely squandered it. And it happened within one movie. And that's the thing. Like, that's why listeners, if you go, if you can ever find back our, our original uh, podcast, I'm pretty sure the words out of my mouth are it's a entertain, like the last Jedi is an entertaining sci-fi movie. It's an entertaining movie, but it's not a good star Wars movie. It's actually a very bad star Wars movie. Yeah. It's lore breaking. It's character breaking. It's very bad in that regard. If you want to turn it on and shut your brain off. Perfect. It's fun entertainment. The endings fucking one of the coolest effects I've seen on this committed to screen ever. It's fucking badass. That same, that same effect in reality for a story, for a well-told story could have happened in the first 15 minutes of the film because it's the <laughs> longest space chase in history. The rest of the story, because the rest of the story is fucking pointless. It's literally a pointless film. And it's all because of the, it was there to feed the hubris of one man who got who got his hands on that on that property and said, I want to do my own thing with star Wars without ever considering the fact of what he of not, not only just what he was getting his hands on, but the responsibility that he had to fans and the responsibility he had to the previous films in that franchise to uphold what had already been created. And that is the thing that Disney has. We've seen across the board from the majority of Disney products is when they start out, some of them start out really good, like the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian started out really strong, really good. The idea of Grogu was fun. I still maintain that I would have liked to have seen the first season end with Grogu leaving. However, I enjoyed the second season. Having that moment with Luke Skywalker coming in and Rex shop was 
one of the one of the joys in my heart that I cannot describe to you properly. Oh, especially as you know, I played Dark Forces like thirty times as a kid. So actually, getting to see the the Dark Troopers show up, yeah. My first thought was, oh man, three Mandalorians versus a ship full of Dark Troopers. Man, they are fucked. fucked. And yeah. then Luke shows up Luke and shows just up wipes and the floor with him. And I was like, yeah, that's about what it would take for them to live. Yeah, he's he's a yeah, he's he's a what's it called where uh, it's the person that basically comes and, sh- and and saves the days. He's the he's essentially, he's essentially the crutch for the sh- for the for the episode. But I was OK with it for the simple fact that I was such a huge fan of Luke Skywalker and getting to see him be a Jedi, a real Jedi, because that's the thing with like the, that's the thing with, with uh, return of the Jedi is you have to respect the fact that you're not seeing Luke fight Vader. You're seeing a father and son reconnecting and, and, and arguing and having a fight over the fact of the anger, the anguish that one has caused the other. You're not getting to see a Jedi in his true prime fighting full on. You get that at the beginning of the film when he's fighting through all those freaking people in uh uh on Tatooine against Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, that's when that's when you're getting to see what a Jedi can do and they can wreck shop easily. But you're not getting to see that with Vader versus Luke because Vader the entire time is trying to goat Luke into turning to the dark side to become him, to strike down the emperor and t- and stand by his side or even strike him down. I think part of it he wanted him to kill him because of everything, you know, because of everything he'd done, all the pain he was already going through. He he was, you know, at that point, I think Luke, I think Luke had gotten through to him beforehand of basically, you know, Vader was convinced of the fact he deserved it. He didn't deserve a second chance. Yeah. Which he didn't really. I mean, the 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 atrocities that he had committed throughout throughout his entire lifetime is fucking unreal. If you ever listeners, if you ever read the EU and uh read some of the comic books, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um so he was there essentially to try and turn Luke for the emperor. The emperor wanted to see it. He wanted to watch the father turn the son. That was his, that was his entertainment. He was getting out of it, but Luke refused and said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be like you. I'm not going to strike this person down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to become this. That was his, that was his final, that was really his final test. So to get to to get in the Mandalorian season two to have Luke show up and just fucking wreck house that was badass when he grabbed that fucking trooper and just crushed him I was like fuck yes yeah this is the Luke we this is the Luke we've all wanted to see that's the Luke Skywalker we all wanted to see in the Last Jedi that's and- the Luke Skywalker that we got in all of the the EU books that a lot of us grew yeah, up reading absolutely so getting to see it on screen was awesome yeah it was like i said can't describe the joy in my heart that i had for that so when you had the last when you look back and you go to the the last jedi luke ods on the force and then dies essentially like he just (laughs) he fucking concentrates too long on the force and has to sit there and project himself so far and never mind that in the next film his nephew and you know miss palpatine are doing it nonchalantly between one another the entire fucking time and you're like what what the fuck is this like ha- they can just self project and 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 go into each other's minds constantly and yet luke fucking died from that give me a fucking break and, and luke, luke could have shown like luke should have they should have had like that should have been the moment where they just had luke show up in that battlefield 
crush an entire fucking walker and just look out and be like, what do you got? <laughs> like that should have been that moment of you have no idea how powerful this person actually is. Yeah. And you're about to find out. I was going to say, let's not, you know, forget the fact that in the books, they always did way more without anybody dying. Yeah. Um, so sorry, I'm taking a swig. <laughs> um, so with, with, with that in mind, like that's why, that's why fans got so mad listeners. That was, that was really in, in fact, in my, I have to say for me, that was really the turn, the start of the turning point for me of like realizing that Disney should not be making star Wars, that they should not have this property, that they should not have any of Lucas's property. And it made me really question whether or not they're the next steps that they were make were going to be any good. Uh, Rise of Skywalker comes out. And I have to say, I like, I still, I still like, I, I know people don't want to do this, but I, or don't like it when I do this or anything like that. Uh, I still have to give credit to JJ Abrams for the simple fact that if he took what was given to him, which was a turd and tried to make the best he could out of it, oh. out of what he was given and and basically out of what he was allowed to do, because when you hear what was supposed to happen, I mean, John Boyega was, was fed a load of dog shit. He was told that basically his character was supposed to be supposed to become another Jedi. He was going to go into training. He just wasn't as naturally talented as Ray was. This was the things they told him. They fucking lied to him the entire time. And then they sidetracked him for Ray Palpatine that they had to retcon because fucking Ryan Johnson, literally Ryan Johnson tried to make her into a nobody. It, it didn't it like not even story wise would that have matched up with what the information was from the force awakens because of why she was left on the planet why she was given over to this one person like they, he just basically like oh no you were sold off because your parents wanted to make money and they just sold you off as a slave but she's never lived like a slave she's lived in her own her of her own recognizance she's been able, she's been able to go out and and get uh salvage for her own granted it's a terrible it. life but she it's, wasn't a slave yeah she wasn't a slave like this doesn't make any fucking sense like you guys are you guys are full of shit ryan johnson you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about you didn't you didn't even watch the fucking movie did you like that was that was kind of where it came from and so i had to, i had to get out give you know give jj Abrams work credit where credit was due was the fact that he took a dog you know he took dog shit and tried to turn it into something profitable and it still really didn't work. I, the last Jedi did so much damage to the franchise that people, you know, it literally, you went from the force awakens. The last Jedi made less money than the force awakens rise of Skywalker made even less, um, in theaters. And you go, Oh, like pe- people, people really did start figuring out real quickly. What would what they were getting from Disney and the hardcore fan base who, I probably owe you guys an apology too, because at some point I think I probably called you guys fucking toxic because I didn't really see what was happening in the background. So I apologize if I did. I'm sure it happened at some point. Uh, I think that here's the thing. There's there's absolutely something something to, or true about calling somebody toxic. Fan fandom can absolutely be toxic. Yeah, when, when you're sending death threats when, to and actors, that's exactly what we get at. when you're sending death threats, that's toxic. You need that's, to chill the fuck you, out. You need to calm the fuck down you're being absolutely ridiculous and whether or not you were being hyperbolic or not, that's a crime. I just want to point that out. <laughs> that's illegal. You shouldn't do that. Um, so yeah, that, that's the, that's the toxic stuff that really comes out is those kind of things. But to, to the actors and the directors and stuff like when you're getting those know that the most of the fandom doesn't feel that way. They don't think you should die. 
They don't want to see you die or anything like that. They just want to be heard. Most of them just have criticisms like you're not following the lore. You're, you're missing this. You're missing that. Like that's the majority of the fan base and the hardcore fans saw that really quickly and hats off to them for seeing it because damn, I didn't, I didn't notice it at first. And it wasn't until I started really going back and reflecting, watching the old trilogy, watching, watching the, the, the prequels and going, yeah, they're, they're missing a lot in star Wars. Like what happened? Like as bad as the script is for fucking attack of the clones and having the worst romance ever written, it's still a thousand (laughs) times better than it. I, I like the force awakens. I do. I still stand by it. Still, still enjoy it. And that, that movie still had a whole lot of hope for me for, for their entire franchise, but it's still like the prequels are still a thousand times better written wise than the last Jedi, than, than rise of Skywalker. Like it's, it's sad when you see that and go, God, man, you guys really don't really don't know how to tell a story anymore. Do you? And that's, that can be translated across Hollywood right now, but, uh, it, it set the stage for you guys don't want to listen to your fans. You, you don't want to listen to anybody who has a criticism about it because if they do have criticism about it, instantly they're a bigot, instantly they're racist, instantly they're, they're a phobe or something like that. And that's what happens every fucking time. <clears throat> and I was laughing around with, with Jay about the fact that we were talking about the, the Hulk movie that's going to be coming up. They're going to be doing, uh, you know, somebody's they're, they're, they're bringing, they're, they're going to do world war Hulk. And we were like, good luck with that. You guys never had savage Hulk in there to begin with. <laughs> And somebody said, well, they're bringing back Savage Hulk. You never had him. The MCU's never had the actual Hulk. Yeah, you Listeners, can't bring back something that was never there. Yeah, you, you also can't have World War Hulk without actual Savage Hulk. You can't have Savage Hulk without the original real Hulk. The original real Hulk is the whole reason why all that, that gets set up. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And when, you know, apparently in fucking She-Hulk, Hulk shows up with his son from Sakaar. I was like, you fucking shut up. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, your son shows up with you like, hey, guys, I just got my son from the from day camp. We're here to have a pizza party. Yeah. Halfway like, across the galaxy. It's uh, it was so fucking dumb and terrible. I just couldn't it, I couldn't believe it when I read about that. It sounded to me like the the Hulk finally got his visitation weekend. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what it sounded like. Yeah. And I just. So you like there's there's no recovery for the MCU. I'm sorry. The MCU has fucked themselves over so royally. They have no place else to go but down. And Disney hasn't figured that out. And that's the worst part about it is the fact that fans are going to go through it and literally do the same thing that all of us are doing now of it ended with Endgame. That's it. That's that's the full MCU is phase 1, 2 and 3. That is it. There's nothing else after that. The Spider-Man movie, yeah, that's a spinoff. That's going to go back to Sony. We don't count that in the MCU anymore. That's that's what's going to happen. <coughs> Sorry, you're good. Um, and you know we're we're never going to get fucking fly in the house. Damn it, <laughs> it's buzzing around, driving us crazy. Uh, but you're never going to get you know a real Doctor Strange anymore. You're never going to get any of that stuff. You're you know, they, they've permanently made Dr. Strange dumber than anybody else in the car co- or in the, uh, in the fucking MCU at this point, which is funny because in the comics, Dr. Strange was always an asshole, but he could back it up. Now he's just an asshole. Yeah. He was, he was, a, he was brilliant. 
one of the smartest in the entire MCU. He was an arrogant and, piece of shit. And he was supposed to be the best of us, even said in the first film, first Doctor Strange, and become Sorcerer Supreme. Is he Sorcerer Supreme? Nope, not anymore. Hasn't been for the entirety or since, you know, since the, uh, the snap or the blip that they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, still fucking stupid. In fact, they call it the blip. But ever since, you know, ever since then, nope, that, that doesn't fucking matter. Like he, he's stupid now because he can't figure out basic shit. He can't figure out how to, how to, you know, (laughs) he can't figure out how to use his own powers. He has to have his ex-wife who never had, had any kind of magical ability, teach him how to use his powers again, or teach him how to use magic. Like, fuck, what the fuck is this? Who wrote this nonsense? Anyways. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing is, you know, driving home the idea that fans should start these companies really start start listening to fans i'm not saying you need to start listening to twitter i'm saying you need to start listening to actual fans twitter doesn't know shit that's been proven time and time again twitter is not your fan base your fan base are the people going hey this is not good can i can i get what i really wanted can you go back to the source material the people telling you go back to the source material those are the ones that are fans those are the ones that are telling you Go and read, go and remember what I loved, and then you might have an inkling of what should be made. Then people might come back to the theaters in droves. I don't know, because maybe you'll be giving them what they want at that point. Instead of saying, you know best, try and actually do some marketing for a fucking change Yeah, and look to your demographic and go, hey, what does our demographic want? What's our demographic <laughs> looking for? The, uh, the way to keep me as a fucking customer idiots. is not to tell me that I'm wrong and then charge me more money for the privilege of being wrong. And I'm so glad you brought up charging more money because this leads <laughs> us into our next conversation. So listeners to really tie up our, uh, what our main discussion is for the podcast. Uh, this goes into companies charging more money for subscriptions, charging more money for uh, attendance. This goes into theaters and stuff like that, charging you more money just to get your patronage. And not giving you anything new, not giving you anything better, not giving you any kind of real incentive as to why you should be paying more. Other than the fact that, hey, we're in a recession, we need more money too. And that's exactly what it is. Businesses who don't want to sacrifice the upper, in in reality, the upper crust of what the upper crust is making. Because, I mean, when you look at Bobby Kotick, he's making millions of dollars a year. Look at EA, the the CEO of EA is making over $20 million a year. They just let go of, I think it was 50 people at EA, I want to say. Uh, I don't from, remember the exact from, number. But. From Dragon Age. I'm sure Dragon Age is going to be doing wonderfully after letting go of two of your main writers <laughs> in Bioware. And they've let go of, I think, 50 other people. As in, if I wasn't already not going to play that game anyways. That yeah. should be a death sentence yeah, for I'm, anybody else that was looking at that game. I'm going to do some quick math really quick. Quick math, really quick. That's a terrible sentence. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I know where you're going with this. Is if you're going to charge me more money, bring more to the table. I don't mind paying more. Yeah. If I'm getting more stuff, I will gladly pay more money if you make yeah, it, it was, worth my time. It was it was fifty people. They let go of fifty people. So go keep. Keep saying what you're saying. Oh, no, I was just, uh, it's like Disney just raised their prices 
they've they've done and they did it within like three months of already doing it yeah right so they do they raise their prices hulu's raised their raise their prices now um netflix is getting rid of password sharing um the uh you know your the- your local theaters have the average ticket price is now almost twenty dollars they're chart you know they have they've got these ridiculous things where theaters are charging more money on weekends than they are on weekdays what the fuck are you guys doing? Do you realize that when people stop using you because the prices get too high, that you lose even more money? You lose more money than you were losing before. Right. And I mean, there's, there's a point where, you know, you can sit there and tell me, oh, we got to raise our price, you know, a couple dollars. Just to, you know, it's a recession. Everything's a little bit more expensive. So our prices have to come up to compensate. Yeah, that's fine. But like with PlayStation, they just raised their prices. What'd you say? It was like 35%. It's a 35% upgrade or increase. So it's a 30% upgrade or increase for the uh, lowest increment. It's going from 60 to $80. The next one's going from a hundred to $135, I think, or 130. After that, the uh, other one that's $120, I believe is, or I think it's $120 to like 160, something like that. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. So. I, I've never been, you know, the, like, four, I think it's a, it's a 30, like a 30, it's like 30, 35, and then like $40 increase. Like, so it's done off of a percentage, not even off of like a, we're going to raise it 10. Like, it's not even a 10% increase. It's like usually a 10% increase for it, for it all is like, you know, we're going to raise it a dollar or two. In this case, it's, it's straight up just asking you for, we're, we're going for the full $20 right away. Then $30, <laughs> the $35 right away. like fucking christ guys or 40 dollars right away like what are you guys doing yeah i've never been the you know we need to eat the rich and fuck billionaires because they're richer than me kind of person but at a certain point when you're running your business of i need to strangle my customer's wallet because i might have to give up like a little bit of caviar and champagne on my yacht go fuck yourself that's and that's why i was saying like this has not this has nothing to do with whether or not they're providing you better services no this is just this is just absolute fucking corporate greed and it's because the ceos don't want to make less money because the ceos don't want to take a pay cut they will do anything to do it and this is evident with ea their ceo makes 20 million over 20 million dollars a year they let go of 50 people from bioware two of them being senior their senior writing staff the other ones several of them senior developers fucking brilliant when you haven't had dragon age come out yet and people are already questioning whether or not that whether or not that's going to be a good one and you're in a and it's a struggling studio to start with so great job good job guys including one of the guys who was let go was also considered one of the gurus for their writing staff and responsible for characters like joker in mass effect congratulations you're a dumbass yeah so wasn't he also it- responsible for uh, a lot of the characters in uh, baldur's gate 2 Yes, I remember reading that he yeah. was responsible for he's, he's been wor- he's been working with EA in, in in Bioware or not EA, but he's been working with Bioware since Baldur's Gate. Like, that's how far back he goes. Yeah. So he's responsible for a lot of, you know, the fan favorite characters in those games yeah. as well. Yeah. So fire that guy. So you don't have to take a pay cut. Yeah. So the CEO makes over 20 million dollars a year, right? Let's let's for argument's sake say that all 50 of those people make $100,000 a year. That's $5 million. That means the CEO could have taken a pay cut of $5 million, still been making $15 million, more money than any of us will ever see, listeners. Any of us. But he doesn't want to do that because 
it's easier to go this route. It's easier to not pay those people because he wants to continue to make his salary and wants to be able to tell their shareholders, oh, look at how much money we made. We made a profit this year because we let go of some people. They exclude the fact that we let go of some people, but that's exactly how they do this. That's what Disney does. That's what every fucking company does out there. And it's just so that their CEOs can continue to make the millions that they have been. Listeners, did you know that back, all the way back in 1996, if you go back as, as far as that, there was not one CEO in the United States that was making over $2 million a year. Do you know when that changed? About 2005. Suddenly, CEOs were making way over six figures. Suddenly, CEOs were making, on average, about $10 million a year. That's fucking weird. It jumped up so fucking high and so fast that nobody even sat there and said, maybe some of that money should go back into the company. Maybe some of that money should go back into the employees. Maybe this is causing a problem. And the people that should benefit off of it are the ones who are actually doing all of the work. You can't tell me there's a CEO out there worth that much money ever. Make, th there's too many of them out there that make terrible fucking decisions, first of all, and continue to fail upwards. It's unbelievable. But yeah, we'll, we'll continue to pay them millions of dollars on top of that, their stock options and anything like that. Look at Bobby Kotick. That guy's a piece of shit. Yes, Bobby, you're a piece of shit. I don't care. I don't care what you think <laughs> about me. I don't care what, what you, what you want to do. You're a piece of shit, dude. That, that, that can be absolutely categorically broken down with the crap that you've been caught pulling, whether it's illegal or not, doesn't change the fact that what you do is a lot of times is completely immoral. And everybody else who sits there as an average person goes, wow, that sounds shady as fuck. That sounds like somebody who's, who's, who's pulling the wool over their, their investor's eyes and just making a profit off of everything. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. So. If, if you're, you know, if you're looking at these going, all right, well, that's just corporate, you know, that's, that's absolute corporate greed. You're right. That's why these movie theater companies are charging you more money when they're in the middle of a recession. Did you think, do you think that happened during the depression? No. In fact, the movie industry or like it, film and uh, stage industries, stuff like that, those were all thriving during those times. Why? Because those were the escapes people needed to forget their problems. Were they charging you more money back then? No, because they couldn't, they knew you couldn't afford it. So they couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford to pay their people more money. So they knew that they couldn't afford to ask you for more money. Why are these companies doing this dipshit fucking like nonsense when they're sitting there going, we're in the middle of a recession. We're in the middle of a high inflation. We're in the middle of Hollywood on strike. We're in the middle of terrible fucking films that have been coming from Hollywood for years that have been the reason why people aren't going to theaters. Maybe. We should start running some more deals. Maybe we should lower the ticket prices so that we get people back into, into the seats. Maybe because of COVID and all that crap that caused theaters to go, okay, well, we can't have anybody in our theaters. We have to release the films on Vudu. We have to release the films on Fandango. We have to release these films on Amazon and all that stuff early. Maybe we should stop doing that. Maybe we should take all that stuff back and go, we need to start getting seats in the, you know, butts in the seats again, start charging normal prices again and get back to normal, not trying to dig into our customers' pockets even more than they can already afford. Because that would make sense. Like I've never, I like, again, I, 
I've worked in marketing and I see this and I go, are you guys like, this is common sense. It's the same thing that I've, I've had. I had this with a, uh, with a former employee or employer. I worked for a company that was selling a product and they wanted to go to new packaging. They cited a bunch of bullshit statistics, bullshit statistics that I immediately shot down because I knew where the statistics came from, but all that's, that's neither here nor there. The, the point is, is that the problem that they were having in stores was that their packages, their, their current packaging, their current products weren't moving off the shelves. And they wanted to go to new packaging to try and get new product on the shelves so that people would see the new product and go, oh yeah, this looks good. This looks new. I'll buy that. Now, granted, the old packaging looked pretty antiquated. I'll agree with that. However, how do you move new product into a, in, or into a store when they can't move old product off the shelves? Are you going to buy it from them and, and then put new packaging on it and then sell it back to them? Are you going to take all of the, all the, their, their stock in, put new packages on it and then send it back to them? No, that costs you more money as a company. So how do you get it off the shelf? Well, the only way to really do that is exactly what you said. Deep discounts. You do sales. You, you put all the old product on sale until the new product can be bought. Yeah, because that makes more sense than having to do an inventory buyback to repackage. Correct. You just cut the price on what's already there. And then once the new package shows up, you go back to your regular price. Now, I, along with a, with, with a fellow designer at the time, mentioned this. And you would have thought that I told that I just spoke Sanskrit because they looked at me like I was fucking crazy. And they went, what do you mean? We'd have to put it on a discount. Well, you have to get your, you have to get the, the companies to put it on discount and put it on sale and, and send it out. You know, at the time we were, you know, there was, there was a pretty bad economy going on when this took place, you know, again, much like we're currently going through actually not as bad as we're currently going through, but it was still pretty bad. So the product wasn't moving. So I said, okay, well, if you want to get the new product on the shelves, you're going to have to move the old product. The only way to move the old product is by putting it on sale. You have to, you have to drop the price, drop the price of the new product or the old product, get it off the shelves. As soon as the new product starts hitting the shelves, bring the price back to where it was. See what happens. See if people continue to buy it. If they don't, you know that your price is the problem, not the product. Also not the packaging. So this makes complete sense to anyone that I explain this to any normal person with a logical brain can think of that and go, Oh, that makes sense. But they looked at me and went, well, that means less profit. Fucking duh. It means you're making less money overall in the short term, in the short term. But the long-term gain is that you'll be making more money over time because even less money over a length of time is still better than making nothing. When you're making nothing, you're making nothing. Something is better than nothing. Yes, that's my point. And that was what I was trying to get across. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And this is every company that thinks like this, listeners. This is every company. Every company does this. If you think the gaming industry is fair and asking you for $70 for their game, ask yourself this. Have your games gotten better? No. Should you continue to pay $70 for the game? No. If the entirety of their customer base went, fuck you, I'm not paying that and did not buy a goddamn game for a year. Imagine how quickly that price would change to 60 permanently. It would stay at 60 for fucking ever. 
if that happened. Do you know how I know that's true? Because look at the PlayStation 3 launch. <laughs> it came out at $500 and $600. And you can't deny this because I have facts that, beat the, 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 that prove this. Their sales were in the dog shit, like just absolute shitter for years because they would not lower the price. And then what happened? They lowered the price. What magically took place? Oh, oh! suddenly the PS3 is getting sold. I remember because that was the moment that I bought one. Yeah. Because at the time I was working a slightly above minimum wage job and couldn't afford a $600 console. But hey, guess what? You knock 200 bucks off of it. All of a sudden, hey, I can afford that. Yeah, they dropped it originally by 50 bucks. It started selling a little bit better. And they're like, yeah, maybe we need to go a bit more. They dropped it by $100. Suddenly it started selling a lot more. Yeah. Because that then, was when I bought it. Then they matched the the Xbox's pricing and went, oh, shit. Now it's actually selling. Yeah, they were flying fucking off shelves. Fucking amazing. And here's the thing. The console cost them a lot of money to make it. They were selling it absolutely at a loss from the start. That is not up for argument. That is also not the customer's fault. And the customer should not be forced to pay for something that you decided to do. Something that you decided to make. That is not the customer's fault. That is your fault. And this goes for the film industry too. It is not the customer's fault that they didn't want to see your films. That's your fault. You made shitty films for years. It is not the customer's fault that nobody was going to theaters. That's your fault. You made shitty films for years. So is there any wonder why the industry is not giving in to the crappy fucking writers who want to have more money for streaming or for videos that are streaming of their content that nobody's watching? Absolutely not. A fucking AI bot has already been proved. It's already been proven that a AI bot could do a better, could do a better job of making the Marvel cinematic universe or, or star Wars or Indiana Jones than any fucking writer currently can in Hollywood. Why? Because Hollywood is not concerned with making good content. Hollywood's more concerned with agendas. They're more concerned with the things that they thought everyone else was concerned with when the only people who were actually concerned with that was in their own little dipshit bubble of stupidity. And guess what? The public wasn't going to pay for that. It's not the public's fault. It's yours. Congratulations. Welcome to how the real world works and how capitalism works. So how does capitalism work? You create a product that everybody wants first. Then make it reasonably priced. If that's not a good enough price for the form, you'd lower the price until it is. You try to figure out what it takes in order to make that, that product sell. When you sell enough of it, you start making revenue. You start making money. And that's how you make money with anything you're selling. And the fact that companies don't get this and turn around like PlayStation right now with a PlayStation Plus that has no added, it has no added value, nothing different. It is the exact same service you've been paying for for years now. And yet they want more money. Oh, but because Game Pass is, is charging you 200 and like $205 a year for, for Game Pass, for Game Pass Ultimate. And yeah, that's true. But Game Pass Ultimate includes Xbox Live on the Xbox, which is required to play online. So is your service, by the way. Your, your PlayStation uh, Plus is still required in order to play online. Uh, and, you know, you can say there's, ours has more value. Does it? Because Xbox gives gives actually first party exclusives on their service. Do you? No, because if you did that, then you'd worry about your quality dropping on your regular games. But they don't just have Xbox exclusives. 
they're getting things like Warhammer, you know, Warhammer, uh, 40k Marine two or space Marine two. That's going to be on game pass day one. I'm looking forward to, to, to playing that like hell. Like that's going to be badass. That, yeah. That gameplay reveal was sick, especially with three player co-op. Yep. So I already know that I'm going to be able to play with you and miles. Yeah. We will absolutely play the shit out of that. I mean, I was already sold on this game from the announcement trailer, which yeah. I, if I remember correctly, was literally the title and then coming soon. <laughs> I was like, sweet. I love the first one. Yeah. I, I still play through it probably once, once a year, maybe once every other year. Yeah. Great game. Yeah. That's going to be on game pass. My Microsoft constantly adds new content and constantly adds more value to game pass over and over and over again at the price that you're paying. And that is vastly different than what you're seeing from Sony. Sony constantly adds shit. They add really crappy games like, oh, what are you getting this month? Oh, you're, you're going to get Saints Row 2022. There's a banger. <laughs> Thanks. I, I really needed to pay for that. I mean, I honestly can't remember the last time I even bothered looking at what my PlayStation Plus games were. Yeah, I, I just don't care. And that's the thing is. I, I saw that price increase listeners and I instantly went, all right, well, PlayStation's I'm using my PlayStation only for exclusives. I'm just going to turn this off. Yeah. I, I don't need PlayStation plus it's not, re- it's not required for any of the games that I actually play on that console. So I'm just going to turn it off. Yeah. You can still, uh, use, um, what is it? Your, uh, multimedia like yeah, your streaming services. Yeah. They're still, they're still usable without it. Yeah. So honestly, most of us, don't have a need for PlayStation plus anymore. Yeah. And for those of you who are like, well, this is my only console. I get it. That's that sucks. My, my suggestion, try and try and go and find as many PlayStation plus gift cards at a lower price as you can, or wait for them to go on sale and stock up and just use those because what Sony's doing is fucking highway robbery. They're gleefully taking money from you, taking it. They're, they're forcing you because you have to have the service in order to play most of the games that require online. There's only a handful of games that don't require you to have PlayStation, PlayStation network. Like I I should say the PlayStation network, which is included in PlayStation plus in order to, in order to play them. I, I think one of them is Warframe. Warframe doesn't require it thankfully because warframe's free to play and they had made that they had made essentially made that negotiation with playstation essentially when the ps4 launched of you can't require playstation like your playstation network in order to or the the 60 dollars in order to have this because that's not gonna work yeah <laughs> like we we are we're a free-to-play model we have to have people playing our game and you want people on your playstation or on the console and this is a launch title for the console so it's a deal that stuck around and there's a few titles that do that. But when you're sitting there saying, I have to have this in order to play on, you know, play Destiny, I have to have this in order to play uh, Warzone. Well, that's no longer than, than you're now having to play or pay a subscription service every year just to play your game online. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. Congratulations. Now you know how a World of Warcraft player feels. Mm-hmm. Only in their case, they actually had to pay for their game first, and then they had to pay for a service, which I still think was a fucking dipshit thing for them to do for years. Plus, in every expansion to come out. Yep. Since they required a subscription fee, 
in order to play the game, the game should have been fucking free. But that wasn't a thing at the time when it came out. When World of Warcraft came out? Yeah, it was absolutely a fucking subscription fee. When it first started? No, 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 no. I meant free to play. Oh, I'm not talking about free to play. That's not free to play. That's a subscription model. Well, I'm tripping over my own words here. Yeah, that, that's, um, a, that's an absolute subscription model. It's, right. it's, a, it's a you pay for the subscription, you get the game. Because the only way you could play was through the subscription. So they should have given the game to every player because they were paying a subscription fee. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. That wasn't a, a free to play model would have been uh, Warframe where you literally don't pay anything. You get the game. And the only thing they're making money off of is if you buy in-game uh, currency. Right. But that's what I was saying wasn't a thing back then. Correct. But what was a thing back then is paying a subscription fee. Yeah. That's my point. I know. Uh, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying, I wasn't saying there should go to a free to play model. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're clearly two different things. So at the time, at the time, no one had ever heard of giving a game away and just paying a subscription. That's exactly what they should have done though, because they should have realized we're making hand, we're making fucking insane amounts of money off of our subscription fee, but no, they wanted to double dip, which is why blizzard was the perfect acquisition for Activision. By the way, because if you want to know why Activision is the way they are, Blizzard is one of the biggest reasons <laughs> because they realized they could double dip. They could they could make you pay for a service. Yeah, they could make you pay for that or pay for that. And they could make you pay for the game at the same time. That's insane. Yeah, they'd already conditioned their fan base to be OK with paying for things multiple times. Correct. That's that. And that that's the thing that always pissed me off about World of Warcraft, because the first time I ever heard about it, I was like. So you pay for the game. Yeah. And you pay for the service. And they went, yeah. Like the fuck is that? Like Xbox live. It it reminded me of Xbox and Xbox live thing. Only it was astronomically worse because the only thing you were getting was getting to play world of Warcraft. Xbox live made sense to me at the time when it was created because they had to create all the everything. You could play everything online. It was, it was required for the service because the, at the time services like that didn't exist. Not, not the way. Not the way that Xbox had revolutionized them because listeners, you can say what you want about Microsoft. Xbox live revolutionized the entire gaming industry uh, because of the way that it, it integrated voice chat, the way that it integrated all of its systems into how games function online and how you could play together. That changed a lot of shit before that with PC, you had to find servers. You had to make sure that you got into a, you got into a voice chat with your friends. It was isolated. Like it was, it was a whole bullshit setup and every PC player who sits there said, it wasn't that bad, dude, you do not remember. <laughs> you do not remember that shit 20 years ago. I'm sorry. Yeah. You don't clearly, remember that right. You don't remember the first days of getting into world of Warcraft. You had to install the game. You had to run all the patches while you were doing that. You had to go hope that you downloaded the, uh, the correct VOIP program to talk to your friends yep. only to find out that no, you didn't. So you had to uninstall the old one, install the new one, go buy a headset, figure out how everything works, then get into the game and realize, Oh shit, I need mods. Yep. Yeah. It's like, and then sh- God help you. If server maintenance ever took more than an hour. I remember <laughs> when I was playing, I was, furious every yeah. time they would do server maintenance because it was always the middle of the day on my day off. Yeah. And the only thing that I was sitting there thinking at the login screen is 
I'm paying to not play this game right now. Yeah. Listeners, this is back. Like this is, he's talking about back in the day when I used to play Counter-Strike uh, through GameSpy, which was the, the, a uh, server monitoring program that allowed you to connect to different servers with different games uh, in order to just play online. And that's, that was a, that was a bitch to do. So again, anybody who's sitting there saying it's not that bad, you don't remember anything correctly from then. <laughs> yeah. Because heard- Xbox Live, the first time I experienced Xbox Live with Halo 2, that was mind-blowingly easy. Yeah, I remember the days of wrestling with GameSpy and hoping that you could find the same server that your friends... Even if they gave you the IP address, yeah. you could still get it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It was insane. Yeah, so the... The whole, like, that, that whole subscription model drove me fucking crazy. So when I look at PlayStation, what they're doing and not adding any extra services, nothing's changed. Dude, I want, I really want, I want this to be another fuck around and find out scenario for PlayStation. I want this to be another PS3 launch, another Xbox TV, 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 TV launch, you know, with connect. I want it to be the next fuck around and find out. For the gaming industry of you can't get away with this shit. I want it to be another volition. You can't get away with this shit. If you're not going to listen to your customers, fuck right off. And I want that. And I want PlayStation to go down in flames over this. Listeners, I like PlayStation games. I like I think they make some of the greatest fucking first party titles I have ever played. But if they're going to continue to dick around like this, they are right back to where they were when the PlayStation 3 launched of we can't do any wrong. Everyone loves us. And the community needs to come together once more and show them, nah, you can't do this, fam. We're going to fuck you up. Yeah. I mean, and all it does is take us not giving you money. I, I'm probably going to cancel my uh, uh, PS Plus subscription yeah. this weekend because of this. Like, yeah, it's it's pointless. I have I have one my PlayStation subscription. Last me until 2024. Do you know the last time I've actually gotten on the PlayStation Network? No, I don't. Like it's been it's been months. I think the last time I got in there was to get for an, was just for an update. That was it. Yeah, I haven't been on, I haven't been on there for fucking anything because the only games I play on are, are are first party titles. Okay, well I can do that, listeners, because I have more than one console. Some of you guys have only one console, but I'm telling you. If you want this shit to stop, you're going to have to sacri- make a sacrifice of your own. Don't give them money. You show them exactly where you stand. That's, that's the thing. Like a, the boy, the, a boycott only works if everybody does it. A boycott only works if everybody does it. And if you think you can just be like, oh, well, I'm the one that it'll, it'll, it'll be fine if I just do it. Then you are exactly where every Call of Duty player has been for years. The fact that they won't boycott the game because they're so fucking addicted to it that they can't. They'll bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch about the boycott. And I've seen this personally. Yeah, they review bombed the game to hell. Do you think Activision gives one fuck about what's actually happening? Their developers do. Their developers have made openly, openly said it sucks. Like it makes you feel really bad. Dude, sorry. If you want that to change as a developer, go and talk to your management and say, hey, this, this shit's not good. We need to stop this. I've personally seen this happen with at least two Call of Duty launches now. I have friends that are, you know, I think my brother finally, I'm hoping has come around on it. We go through cycles where I keep telling him that I have no sympathy for him because he keeps buying them. But I have other friends that also play it and they'll, they'll be, you know, they'll review bomb stuff on steam and then I'll hop on steam on my, uh, on launch day 
and look at my friends list, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty. <laughs> and every time I send them a message, hey, how's that boycott going? <laughs> yeah, I laughed my ass off when people were freaking talking like, oh, there's a Call of Duty boycott. I'm like, I don't believe you for a fucking second. <laughs> I don't believe you because I have I have never seen one Call of Duty boycott that's ever worked. Yeah, you guys no. will sit there and circle jerk about how great this boycott is going to yeah. go. But then launch day comes around and I guarantee you everybody that knows at least one Call of Duty yeah. player. We'll hop on on launch night and see that either they're in game or if they're not in game, yeah. they're waiting for it. The yeah. The last major boycott that you guys had that was trying to be organized. They had the people who were organizing it, playing it the day the boycott was supposed to happen. And Activision called you out on your own shit. Yeah. They pointed out. They're like, hey, we noticed that you've also been playing all day while you said you were going to boycott us. <laughs> they 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 were so like Activision was so cocky and so fucking like so fucking just i don't know how to, how to describe it but so fucking arrogant that they could they actually knew you fuckers were going to play yeah that's how that's how much they know their community is full of shit you could feel the smugness coming off of those messages of hey i thought you were boycotting this and that's the thing with playstation if you guys want this to stop absolutely don't give them money don't give them money for a year and find out real quick what happens if everybody, again, it only works if everybody does it. It's worked plenty of times before, but it only works if everybody does it. You, I, can, I, give, I can give you examples. PlayStation 3, Xbox One, two of the biggest launches in, 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 for consoles, and both, and I should say biggest launch failures for consoles. And it's because they fucked around and found out from their community, oh, you won't pay us for this. Real quick. So when that shit happens and the community comes together, it changes fast. Suddenly the connect was no longer a requirement in PlayStation or in the Xbox one. They had figured out a workaround to make sure that nobody needed to have it. And then it gave more power to the system. They had to do that because the community was saying, fuck you. We're not buying this. Then they had to lower the cost down to the PlayStation four PlayStation figured it out with the PlayStation three. You guys need to learn that the only way this works is if all of us are involved and we don't give them a goddamn dime. And then PlayStation is going to go, Oh shit, our subscribers dropped. They're going to do one of two things. They're either going to charge more like or like Netflix and place <laughs> and, and and Disney Plus and they're going to and and Hulu and they're going to continue to lose subscribers and not know why they're not making any money or they're going to turn around and go, "Okay, we fucked up. We'll fix it. It's we're, so we're not going to do this anymore. We'll turn it around." But here's the thing I fully expect from PlayStation after all the upheaval and people getting pissed off. I fully expect them to go, all right, we're just going to increase it $5. It's and just going to be the $5 increase. Still, still no extra services, but $5 increase. And all the community is going to go, okay, that's better. And we, <laughs> we've talked about this before. We know this is a known tactic of we will bring something insane out. Yeah. And then when people throw a fit, as they should back it off to what it actually was supposed to be. So we get to look like the good guys and you get to think that you had some power and some, some decision-making in this process. Yeah. Now listeners, I know I've said in the past that we won't, we, we won't say we won't call for a boycott of anything on the simple fact of we won't call for a boycott or anything ridiculous. Like, Oh, this guy's, you know, like, like fucking uh, Dustborn. I'm not going to call for a boycott on that. If that game does really well, fuck shows, <laughs> shows you what the fuck I know. Right. I don't think it will. I think it's going to crash and burn. But does that is that because of what I've said? No, because I'm not calling for a boycott. If you want to buy that game, if you think that game looks cool or you like the idea of words as weapons, 
go for it. Have a great time. I hope it's good for you because if, and this is true, we've said this multiple times, if you buy a game that sucks, that's bad. And it's bad for you. It's bad for the community. Nobody wants to buy a shitty game. Nobody wants that. We all want good stuff, right? So if the game's great for you, awesome. I will never call for a boycott on something ridiculous like this, but I will call a boycott when it comes to your money, when it comes to our money as gamers, because our money is precious to us. It, we, don't, we don't get to buy games as often anymore, for one thing, not because just the industry's shit, but because games cost too much now. We have to save our money where we can. And when somebody, when, when somebody like Sony comes along and asks for more of it for a service, not something that's actually a game, but just a service that a lot of us aren't fully using to its full potential because we own a lot of the titles that they already have on there. That's not right. That's not fair to you and me. That's not fair to anyone in the community. They shouldn't be asking for this. That's a ridiculous price increase. If they wanted this price in the first place, they should have kept the services separate. That's exactly what it is. They should have left the services as two different things and not meshed them into one. But they wanted to compete with Game Pass, but they don't want to compete with Game Pass. They wanted to compete with them price-wise and and service-wise, but they don't want to compete with them by giving you exclusives on there. They don't want to, they don't want to compete with them by giving you more games all the time from other developers. They just want to give you the old stuff, the stuff that's been around so long you've already owned it. So are you getting your money's worth even now? If not, then that tells you exactly what you're going to be getting going forward. (laughs) You're going to be getting the same, but it's going to cost you more. It's going to cost you more. So yeah, I absolutely call for a boycott of that because your money is precious to you. My money is precious to me. And you should really, really think about that. How much is your money worth? As to me, my money is worth just as much as my time. And I've wasted enough of yours today. So we'll, uh, we'll move on to our next, to our next subject uh, really quickly. Uh, this will be fast because this is just uh, going through uh, review stuff uh we already hit him uh 40 uh uh, warhammer 40k super excited for it listeners if you don't if you haven't seen it go and check out the extended gameplay they've they've released it for the playstation or released it on playstation xbox channels and uh it is awesome looking it looks like an absolute just crazy blast uh the amount of enemies on screen had me going all right well i think i'm gonna die a lot yeah um which I mean, you're fighting the Tyranids in this game. It's, it's so. the Tyranids. They're basically they're basically the fucking xenomorphs of the Warhammer universe, <laughs> only on steroids. Uh, just because of the amount of crazy freaking creatures that they create and uh, uh, bio weapons, uh, bio like biomechanical weapons that they create, uh, it's absolutely just mind blowing. Uh, imagine somebody took. Imagine somebody was like, HR Geiger's awesome. I love all of his work. I'm going to turn this into a full enemy. I'm going to make everything less phallic and everything that looked like a dick is going to be a spike Spike I can kill you with. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty freaking crazy. So, uh, and these things can, I mean, we're talking about uh, things where like their lowest of lows, yeah, can't compete with a a space marine. But they're good at absorbing bullets. But there's millions of them. And the, the ones that, you know, the, the Tyranids that are just, you know, just one step above that. Yeah. They can, they can almost go toe to toe with them, with us, with a space marine. That's, that's pretty scary when you think about the fact that that's just, that's just, that's the lowest level can't stand, can't stand up against you, but they'll, they'll swarm you. The next level on that is able to go toe to toe with you. And they're still outnumbering you. 
and then everything else gets astronomically fucking worse as it goes up. So the the one thing that sold me on Tyranids being a scary enemy was I don't remember the exact story, but the uh, the Space Marines in the story were pulled up in a fortress. Yeah. And the Tyranids were descending wave after wave after wave of their smallest thing. And they did this for days and weeks yeah. until they ran out of ammunition to fight back. And then they just ran up a wall of their own corpses and ate everything and ate in everything. the fortress. Yeah. So they will literally just throw cannon fodder at you yeah. until you run out of ammo. And then they'll just run in and eat you. Yeah. And it's a never ending swarm until you can get to the, to the, what would be considered the central mind of all of them all. So uh, the other thing that's scary about them is the fact that they can show up in a galaxy. And the reason why you can't call for help is because their own uh, psionic uh, capabilities from their main mothership prevents anyone from being able to use light speed and communications equipment for not, not just a galaxy, but for several light years. Imagine being in warp and then your ship just stops. And you now have to have to fucking leg it back to where warp speed actually reengages. Yeah. Because your drive will won't work until it's until it's out of their out of their zone of control. And that takes for fucking ever. And the only thing you can hope for is that by the time you get there, they're just gone. They're gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Best case scenario is you get to where they were and you find a completely barren world and go, huh? Look at that. We dodged a bullet. Okay. Yeah. Back to where we were going Couldn't get there in time. Our bad. But if you have a group that holds out long enough, then you're showing up for the fight and it's going to suck ass. Yeah. Even when you win, you still because, lose. Yeah. Or the emperor. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like wor- so, words to dread. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, it should be it should be a real uh just a real blast to go through. Last I looked, release date was still set as the, you know, ever nebulous 2023. I fully expect it to be a if it does come move. out this year, it's going to be like a Christmas release. Probably. I'm thinking Christmas time or probably early next year. Yeah. Um if you don't have anything else like topic-wise to talk about, I was just going to Bring up a review. Armored core. Okay, then go. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> so I got my shit pushed in on that first fucking boss. Granted, I was exhausted, but still. I, I've heard the uh, the first boss referred to as the great filter. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a very. Yeah, the, it's a, a very appropriate filter. It's a very is, appropriate name because yeah. I. We've talked about this on the last couple of podcasts. I'm an armored Corvette. I've played all of them. Yeah. And goddamn, was that fight hard. Yeah, it was really, really, really tough. It, it was rough. I got it in six tries, which apparently is around average for people that have played as many of them as I have. Yeah. But I've heard of people it going... Took me 12. I, I've heard of people going 15, 20, like I was reading reviews. Oh, I'm sure. there was- it took me 12. Like I said, listeners, I was exhausted and it took me a while to figure out one, what, like uh, basically hit one, how to keep it in the arena because it would go outside of the arena too many times. Uh, and two was how to get close to it without it completely just dropping me. Uh, because the, the easiest way to, to get to its or to get its health, it's, I should say the, a damage bar to to get it to be knocked down. Yeah, the, the, uh, the stagger. The stagger. 
to get that to activate, the easiest way to do that is to use your essentially your special uh, weapon ability. And the one that you start out with is very much close quarters. I mean, it requires you to be on their ass. So I was having to get to the cot, like get up to that fucking thing's cockpit like multiple times. And I'd get like, I'd get to like a third of its health down or like to like not a third of its health down, but to a third of its health. Yeah. And that was when that thing would just start shooting every fucking thing it had within a 10 second time frame, And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm just trying to get close to it. Like I can't even get close to it. It keeps dropping me about the last three deaths. Uh, the, about the third to last death, uh, was when I was like, okay, I'm figuring it out. And I was getting, I was getting it so fucking close to its health. almost completely gone. And I, I would get taken out by like one, you know, one shot or I wouldn't, I like in one case, I wasn't paying attention to my health, uh, or the, uh, the, um, the armor, uh, and I was like, shit, like I, I ran out and I still had like another, uh, repair kit to go. Um, but yeah, the, the, the final one, I was like, like I stood there, like I was, I was so pissed off. I was like, I was so like, I fucking so pissed off because I'm getting so fucking close and I can't get that last few shots. And I will say though, when that stand, when that fucking health bar gets down to that last two bars, it takes way too many, too many hits towards that last <laughs> bit because it was sitting on fucking nothing forever while I was just tagging the shit out of it. It's like fucking go down. You piece of shit. What the right. fuck is this? <laughs> now I, I just, I want to say to uh, everybody that couldn't get past the first boss and uh, refunded your money. Your bloodline is weak. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad you got filtered out. Oh, I refused. I was like, I can, I can beat this. Like I can, I can beat Elden ring. I can beat dark souls. I can beat this. That's why I said that their bloodline is weak and I'm glad you've been filtered out. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I'm stuck on the, uh, the new millennia as it's being, uh, thrown around. Yeah. A lot of people keep, I, I looked forums. it up after you brought that up. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I tried three times and that's when I realized, so there's probably a four hour section of the day where I'm not too tired. Like mm. I still have good reflexes and everything. Yeah. And, uh, it, I don't play outside of that four hours. I get that. If I'm going to do anything other than just go grind old missions for. Yeah. For me, uh, like I'm listeners. <clears throat> I've already played, I've played through part of it. I got through the first boss. Obviously uh, I played a little bit of the, ne- the, the next missions. Um, I did some of the customization. Customization is awesome with the exception of uh, the decals. I don't like the way the decals work because you can't do an immediate mirror on the other side of the, of, of anything that you make uh, for uh it's too much. Like you have to do too much of the, the lining up. Yeah. And that drives me nuts. Like I want to have, I want to have a decal, uh, mirror capability that I have on Forza where I can just instantly flip it, which I'm sure that have it on the other side. probably get patched in at some point. I'm sure they will. It's, it's a new feature. It's something that they're, that they're working with. Uh, and there's lots of different stuff. You can create your own decals, which is fucking crazy for me. You can even download them on the, at least on the PC. I don't know I, if that's the case on the console. I was going to say, if you go on <clears throat> steam yeah. and look at some of the things that people make this, <clears throat> I, I love the, uh, the armored core yeah, community because the, they're coming up with crazy shit. And again, this is people that do this in their spare time. Yeah. For the, free. The customization abilities, even if you, even if it was just left to paint, that alone makes this game just a blast because you're sitting there making your own armored core. You're essentially making, did you ever want to paint your own Gundam? 
Yeah, it's Do you ever want to paint your own transformer? That's what you're getting when you get to when you get into the customization for this game. It's fucking awesome. This is very much uh, a digital model kit builder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is I'm another for somebody to create a create a, a mod where you can actually take that into like uh, into a, a 3D printing program and create your own models. That would be sick. Yeah, they you can already kind of do that. Then that is sick. <laughs> Um, it's not official, but you can dig around in the, uh, the game file yeah, and, uh, you can pull, uh, parts mm. and then I, this is magic to me because I don't know how, <laughs> but you can translate the, the files from the game to a 3d printer yeah. and print out exactly what the, uh, the file is. I, I mean, I have a bunch of, uh, mechs from MechWarrior five on my computer desk. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. They're like, Oh, I took this file. I modified it to this. So it'll print out. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. You, you can buy um, this shit on Etsy for like five bucks a piece. It's great. Yeah. So, I mean, listeners, it's hard. Like just, I said, uh, I haven't gotten very far in it, but I would absolutely say if you are down for something that is going to be a diff, it's going to be requiring a lot of you difficulty wise. And it's going to require you to want to take time, learn the systems, get good. I, you know, I hate, I hate that phrase, but that's literally <laughs> it. Like you're going to have to get skilled as you go along if you want to finish it. And if you, if you're dying a lot, take a break, take a, take a little, you know, take a break away from the game for a bit, come back to it. There are plenty of dark souls players out there that I've met that, and, and this is just on online communities that have, that didn't beat the game for years. They, they took, they took breaks and then they finally came back and they're like, okay, I don't remember how the game plays. They got, they, they either restarted or they relearned the mechanics from where they were and beat the game. They, they finally finished it. And I was like, that's, that's one of the things about games is like, if you own it, you, you can come back to it anytime you want. Uh, don't let the difficulty scare you, but at the same time, Remember that you're, you are getting into a difficult game. You are going into a game that is going to require a lot of you. There is no easy mode. And that's it. That's the way the game is designed. That's another thing I've been uh, seeing people online there. Apparently, a lot of people are going to FromSoft and asking for difficulty settings. Yeah. And uh, much like every other game that they've ever made, they basically take those requests and point and laugh and go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you suck. Like it's, yeah, it's from difficult, but it's here, easy to. What here's the what thing I'm looking for? It, it's easy to get into, but it's difficult to master. Correct. Because even from again a, a veteran player, the the movement is so much smoother than it used to be. I'm having to get used to the fact that I can, you know, zip around a lot. Like you, whenever you'd hit yeah, the overboost in the old design, games, the game's designed around the idea of newer newer systems the compared to way the way they used to be like, yeah the problem that i've always had with like old mech warrior games is like a, they don't move any faster than any fucking tanks or anything else in the entirety of the universe even the ones that they're in so it's never made sense why this would be the thing you'd go to because in reality i wouldn't take that over a tank okay well here's the <laughs> thing uh with mech warrior uh rule of cool that's it. It's cool. And that's why you do it. No, but that's, but that's what I'm getting at. Like, there's, there's nothing in there that gives the incentive. Like, this is why anyone would ever do that. Whereas armored core, 
even even back when it was made on the older systems, like it always felt like this was like this was designed to be a little bit faster combat, and it is. It's always been a little bit more difficult because of that. Uh, but now they've they've jumped that up a notch, and on top of that, they you know we're talking about front software, so they've learned from their previous games. They've learned from Elden Ring. They've learned from Dark Souls. They've learned especially from from Bloodborne, which everybody everybody keeps saying you know oh this is a little too Elden Ring or this is a little too Dark Souls. I'm like no, it's very much Bloodborne. Like the game. The game is quite literally like you need to be aggressive. Like you are not there strictly as defense. There, don't get me wrong, there's going to be some defensive roles in it every now and then, just like there is in Bloodborne. But it is primarily like you need to get in, strike as hard as you can, get out. Get in, get out as fast as you can. And that is Bloodborne. That's Bloodborne tactics. Every single time I think about it, I'm like, that's literally Bloodborne. Like you're going in, you're attacking the shit out of the boss. You're getting out away from away from the retaliation, going in again, and it's it's designed intentionally like that. And uh, I sit there and I go, "Yeah, this is this is something they definitely went away." And we're like, "Well, we're not making another Bloodborne because the guy who was who was who was originally the uh, one of the art directors for it left. He's making uh, the Liza P." Listeners, that that's a cool game, by the way. Yeah, I I thought <laughs> um, that looked familiar. Um, and. Uh, that's the that's the bloodborne the uh successor really yeah and uh it's it's one of those things we're like yeah we learned from that that kind of combat we can apply some of the some similar not the same but similar tactics to a mech game to an armored core game and see what we come up come up with and what they came up with is massively fast-paced bullet hell and it is very hard to keep track of sometimes for my for my tiny little brain wait until you get up to baltius (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. I'm um, sure it's going to be rough. But one thing, I mean, they've even tweaked old in-game systems. Like when you'd hit the overboost in the old games, you kind of steer where you were going. Yeah. But it was very much, you know, you're flying at like Mach six. So your turn is just going to be a couple degrees and you're going to, yeah, no, you, when you hit the overboost in this one, you can zip around. Yeah. Like, and it took me well past the first boss. Had I known this, I probably would have gotten through that boss quicker. Yeah, but you can dodge oh, with yeah, uh, yeah. your overboost on. Yeah, I had no idea, boost. so yeah. I figured it was like the old ones. You know, I'd be taking hits to the face on my way into the boss, just yeah. going, "Well, I timed it wrong, so now I'm gonna have to eat it." Yeah, and then I found out just on a random fuck around mission after that, I hit the overboost. Yeah, press and press I X and accidentally hit the uh, the thumbstick. Oh yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah you, you can you can dodge, and then X does a bigger dodge. I'm like, yeah. wow, that. I felt like such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, wow. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great game. I'm probably going to hate a lot of it, but then uh, come through the other side thinking, man, that was fun. Yeah. That was badass. Cause like, that's how I felt after the first boss. I was like, man, this is bullshit. Yeah, It's like me with Elden Ring. I beat fucking, I beat the final, beat the final boss, the Elden beast. And I was like, fuck this game. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like it's uh, two two emotions at the same time. You don't really know how to ex- quite explain it. Yeah. Um, so I I definitely I again I haven't finished it, but I'm gonna say if you liked the older games, yeah, buy it. Don't even question it. Yeah. Yeah. I I I agree. And this is from somebody who never played uh, the Armored Core series. And I again I've only gone through the first boss, but that was enough for me to go. This is awesome. This is a badass experience. 
is it like listeners a lot of people keep saying oh it's graphically amazing it's just okay it's not the greatest it's not the greatest graphical masterpiece on any system it looks good for what it is it looks but good it's for what it is it, very much the elden ring engine you can tell it's a dated engine you can tell it's 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 not the best looking game out there but it serves its purpose it's designed for high speed combat it's designed for the things that it does and it does them well and that is the thing that is more important is it plays well it doesn't have to be the prettiest fucking game out there. Yeah, I mean, I've always told you I'm I'm very much a function over form person. Yeah. It can be an ugly engine as long as I don't get any drops in frame rate. And in this game, like this typically game, this game frame rate counts for everything. Typically, I don't care about frame rate. Yeah. But in this game, a drop in frame rate is lethal and That's will death. be immediately. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. It, it has been stable. There's been no stutter. No frame rate drops. Yeah. Nothing. This game runs smooth. Yeah. It's really good. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend it to it anybody. It does have ray tracing. The only time ray tracing is applied is in the garage. Sorry. <laughs> uh, from software knows that ray tracing takes away from the overall quality of the, the, the game. Uh, and when I say quality, I mean, it drops in frames and it has a heart and any engine has a harder time with ray, with ray tracing. They're aware of it, so they wanted the game to, you know, it's going to look beautiful in, in the garage when you're screwing around with it and looking at things closely and stuff like that. But outside of that, they know the main focus is you want Twitch, you want fast, this is going to be the main focus. So, um, Have fun getting good at math, by the way. <laughs> Why? When, when you start unlocking more parts. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily matter for weapons because, you know, attack values or whatever. Like, are you talking about like ta- uh, calculating weight and stuff like energy that? Energy draw? Yeah. 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 Energy draw is going to be your big one. It does the weight calculations for you, yeah. but to real, like, if you want to get really nitpicky with, like, your your boosters and your generator and your fire control system and everything, right. you're going to have to really sit there and get like real nitpicky with everything. <laughs> I wasn't joking when I said I spent probably two hours in the garage after the first boss. Yeah. And there was, it unlocks like five parts. So. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners for my, the only review I really have is for resident evil uh, death Island. That is a uh, movie that came out and it's one of their, you know, it's one of their CGI films, uh, like Retribution and all those. Uh, it's good. Uh, I mean, it continues. It continues what they've been doing for, for the Resident Evil uh, CGI films. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was better than the last one. Um, and uh, I really, I like the idea that they actually took they took scenes from the Resident Evil Two. Uh, or not Resident Evil 2, uh, Resident Evil 3 remake uh, and tied that in like they took uh, they took actual the the actual cutscenes from some of three and throw them threw them in as memories for uh, Jill Valentine oh that's cool um, so I was like oh cool and like they actually were able to reuse stuff like that and make it relevant rather than you know having to recreate an entire uh, scene just to make it you know just to show it they were actually able to use part of the game footage and it's pretty seamless I was like yeah, you can tell you can tell the games uh obviously in the RE engine, you know, when they show it, but it's it's good enough to be like, yeah, this was this passes as a memory. Yeah. And uh I thought it was really well done. Um the boss is dumb as shit because you know, all Resident Evil bosses are dumb <laughs> as shit. 
Cause like, and, and there's, there's a few parts where you're just like, just shoot the guy, just shoot the guy in the fucking head. End it right now. Just end this right now. This is fucking stupid. Why are we even have this conversation? The only ones that weren't dumb um, were those, uh, the xenomorph things from four. That, that fight sucked. That's the best I can describe them. They're the ones when you're going through the, the bottom level of the castle. Okay. And you're walking over that grate and they'll stab oh, you in yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah, taint yeah, yeah, with their yeah, tail yeah. while you're walking through. Yeah. I gotcha. Those were the only smart bosses I've encountered. The rest of them, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, you're just standing there with your weak spot exposed. Oh, I'm, I'm just starting. I'm just starting to like the 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 main bad guy, like the you know the the boss that's going to give you the the longest dialogue fucking oh. diatribe. Like, all right, this is why I did all this. Right. Let me monologue for the next five fucking minutes. And yeah. Hold on. Can you stand still while you're giving this speech? Yeah. Here's <laughs> the thing, though. There's like one of the characters is holding a gun to that fucker. And easily could have shot him like 18,000 times during this whole fucking monologue. And I'm sitting there going, why aren't you just shooting his ass? Like, I don't understand why the fuck this is happening. Like, you're, you're just waiting the entire fucking time. Like, it, why? Yeah. <laughs> he's going to try time. and kill you as soon as he's done talking. Exactly. It's not rude to shoot the, him in the, the middle thing. of the like, monologue. That's the thing. Like, you, you think you're going to arrest him? <laughs> what do you think? How? How has that ever happened in the entire history of this franchise that you think you're going to arrest this guy? Like, anyways, it, that was that was the only thing that like really kind of bugged the shit out of you. But the rest of it was actually fun. Uh, is you know, it's an entertaining uh, Resident Evil movie. Shut your brain off. Have a good time. Um, good to know because that was uh, that was another one I've considered watching. Which, along with, I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure the one you're about I, to I, go I, to. Yeah, I got to talk about the uh, uh, the Voyage of the Demeter. Uh, the last voyage of the demeanor, that movie is awesome. I don't know why it has a 46% from critics, but you honestly listeners, if you're, if you're looking at critics to know, to know whether or not is something a good movie, just don't, don't bother there. Most of them are shit anyways. And don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Uh, but yeah, you absolutely should see that film. That is easily one of the best Dracula films I have ever seen. And it truly does get across just how frightening that character was uh, and why and why Dracula, in my opinion, is should be more respected in horror than he actually is given credit for. Uh, because he truly is it, it, just an evil. <laughs> evil and uh, sadistic fucker. <laughs> because he he likes the toy with his food (laughs) right but i mean you're also talking about a creature that can be defeated with a handful of rice so handful of rice yeah you haven't heard that one of the old uh things old ways that you could deal with the vampires you throw a handful of rice at their feet and they have they're compelled to count them that's fairies dude really yeah that's the fae That is that is not vampires. Okay, well, I, I would love to see that in a film, though. Now I want to see that after guys like, and they're like, <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? I mean, there's also, you, to- you know, running water. Yeah, and uh, you could just run into your house. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't know if it was because they they can't cross the threshold without being invited, but I'm sure they could still go through a wall. I, I think it's just they can't go into any living residence that's oh, that's owned by a living person. Huh. Interesting. Un- unless they're invited in. Still, I mean, there, there's a lot of loopholes, but I, when yeah. you're some farmer living in the middle of nowhere, you're not going to know any of those. Yeah, the they're one of the funniest things I'd ever seen, and I cannot remember what this was from, but it was a movie with vampires. 
this kid runs into a house and goes, ha, you can't come in because you have to be invited. And the guy just walks right in and he goes, owner's dead. <laughs> and that was it. That was the end of that conversation. I was like, all right, well, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to, if, if, if you I, remember if, what if it, if is, let me know. it is, it was hysterical. I was like, oh, <laughs> you are fucked. I think I want to say it was, uh, it was the remake of Fright Night when the friend goes into his buddy's house and his friend, uh, he, the entire family had already been murdered by him. Okay. And he goes and he's like, owner's dead. Like there's, you can't can't block somebody. You can't block somebody in a house in a residence. That's not lived in. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it it was awesome. Uh, I loved, even though they're made up characters, I think, uh, I think the additions of Anna and, uh, Mr. Clemens were great characters. I think Mr. Clemens is a interesting protagonist because he had the he had the the problem of of conflict of being a doctor and the tough decisions that would be made uh, on that, like wanting to preserve life, but not being able to recognize what the fuck is happening because he's a man of science and not a man of like actually being able to see the supernatural for what it is. Right. And, uh, so, you know, he couldn't violate his, uh, Hippocratic oath. Correct. So like, it's, yeah, it's one of those things like that, that create, that created a good character. And I was like, I like this character. He is biting up a well, He's biting off a lot more than he could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, but it, it, it's really well done. It's really well acted. Um, you know, they even had the, they, they were even, even able to put in a moment of, uh, something that was that would be a legitimate issue with that character uh, being a black man in that time of having you know ha- having the associations of of racism towards him uh, as well as his profession and they bring up the fact of like basically why how how was he ever in this other country having to take another boat back to England uh, in the first place. And he brings up, you know, his history of the fact that like, he was basically hired by somebody who didn't realize they saw his qualifications. They saw nothing else and they knew nothing else. And when he showed up, his skin color was more important than his ability. And that's why he, that's why he was trying desperately to get home. It's because he realized that it was a mistake to ever, to, to, to think that uh, somebody could look beyond that, even in another country. Cause he, he has a hard time. He had a hard time of it, even in his own, in his own homeland. Um, and I was like, that's, I was like, and it wasn't like one of those things like we're trying to push this on you. No, it made sense with the character and it totally and it lay and it laid out a reasoning for why he was ever there in the first place. Cause that's the that's one of the main questions when you're like, why the fuck would this guy be over here? Why is he trying to get on this boat? And it, it's it's that, you know, that kind of thing that you that you get that actually is relatable. Uh just, you know, another, you know, one of those things are relatable to a human being. You know, you're really, you can relate anything to a human being. Doesn't matter what their color is. Doesn't matter what their background is. If you can understand their plight, you can relate something to another human being. Right. And that's that's that moment in the movie. I was like, that was cool. Uh, it was good. And the character of Anna, who's uh, a, a woman on a ship. If you guys don't know anything about uh, that being a bad, you know, that being bad luck. Which was my sailors initial thought was soon as the, uh, the preview started, I was like, Oh, this is going to go bad. And it's her fault. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, instantly getting blamed for that shit. Like, dude, yeah, that, that is a legitimate superstition from back, like back then that women were, were bad luck on a boat. You didn't have them on boats. 
doesn't matter the fact of the, the truth of the fact, the truth of the matter that there have been women pirates and stuff like that. That is a superstition that lasted for a long fucking time. So, uh, that takes, you know, they take that into account in the, in the movie. It's, it was all really good. I just enjoyed it. And like I said, Dracula is a, is a just fucking evil son of a bitch. God damn. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I like I highly, I highly recommend it. If you if you can buy it, buy it. I, it's a buy for me. Um, I also saw uh, Boogeyman. It's the one that's based off of the Stephen King short story, uh, or the you know a story by Stephen King. Um, which I think the original Boogeyman is also based off the same thing. It's not. It doesn't follow it as well from my understanding or his idea of it as well. This one was really good. Don't let the PG thirteen fool you. It is that thing is creepy as fuck. Uh, and there's, there was a, uh, there was a part where I literally was just like, my mind was like, what the fuck am I watching? What the hell is that thing? Um, it was really cool. Uh, they don't dance around the fact that it's a creature too much. They should actually kind of, kind of come out in front with like, yep, it's a creature. You're going to see it. Uh, the, you know, but it is going to show the fact that, like there's going to be that part of human reasoning where they're going to try and say, Oh no, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's your imagination, that kind of shit. And you're going to be sitting there going, dude, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, and it ties into the psychology of the characters and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's, uh, it was a, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the, uh, thought the main character, um, the, the girl in it, um, she did a really good job. Uh, I haven't seen her really personally in anything else, but I've seen her in trailers for other movies. Um, and her ability in or her character in this, her, her ability to, to create the believability of her character was enough for me to go. I actually might want to watch some of the other stuff she's in. Um, she did a really good job. Uh, the little girl that's in it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard to find good kid actors. She actually did a really good job. I think they did. I think that, given the fact that you're having to work, you know, having to work with a kid and having to work around, and this is true for even the Demeter, because there's a kid in that having to work around the limitations of a kid's acting ability is one of the toughest things that I think a filmmaker can ever have. And it's not because kids can't act or can't necessarily pretend or anything like that. It's just that I think when there's cameras and stuff around, they lose part of that ability. And that's what, that's what prevents them from being able to fully sell a character. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense actually. Uh, but I thought they did a good job. They, they worked with, you know, the, they clearly worked with any kind of limitations they might've had in it. And overall they sold the characters that they were playing. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. worth it. That one's, that one, that one's also worth the buy in my opinion. I'll have to so, check that one out too. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Yeah. I, I mean, I could talk more about Baldur's Gate. I'm in Act Three now, so <laughs> we, we could talk lots more about Baldur's Gate, uh, but we won't do that. Listeners, we'll let you go. Uh, thank you for letting us waste your time. If you if you've gotten this far, if you haven't gotten this far, I mean, I'm not I'm not thanking you at all because you left. Maybe you'll be back later. If you came back later, thank you. If you're if you're stuck with us the whole time, we also appreciate it. Uh, if you <laughs> left and came back, I hope you enjoy your sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> anyways tell your friends about us it's really the only way we get around this is vargo this is josiah keep on geeking on and we're out all right everybody let's take it from the top
fooling. 